Welcome to episode 144 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the Great George and More episode of the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host. I'm with my co-host Josh Fine. What's going on, brother? Hey, I'm doing great, Phil. You know, it's uh, been an interesting, you know, lean weekend of racing. We only had one race this weekend. You know, after you know all these weeks of NASCAR, Formula One, IndyCar, now it's just F1, and now we're you know in the very back end of the year. But you know, we had a first-time winner finally here this uh, year, both uh, for the season and first career win. So you know, glad to see George Russell get his you know first win with Mercedes and it was a rather interesting weekend of racing and you know for once you know we're actually wrong on our F1 predictions yeah it's we've been picking uh fish lips for most of the year and been right um who will see what happens with that in regards to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix but George Russell becomes a second first time winner in 2022 with his victory in the Sao Paulo Grand Prix a.k.a. the Brazilian Grand Prix, um, won the sprint race the day before after spinning out uh, in qualifying and beaching his car, which was an interesting qualifying, which saw Kevin Magnussen qualify on pole. So he is listed as a pole sitter for the Brazilian Grand Prix um, of record. Uh, interesting day that saw Mercedes get their first 1-2 of the season. Um, also have... Um, what's it called max or stop in kind of go back to being what he has been for a long time um in his career when he has to race anybody um when he was racing lewis hamilton and then his actions at the end of the race in regards to his teammate sergio perez who's in a battle for second in the championship so plenty to talk about within the race lots of uh aggro going on amongst soon to be former teammates current teammates um points battles uh but an interesting race one of the more um one of the races this year that actually had a lot of overtaking and it seemed to have a lot of action the whole entire weekend so it was nice to see that here for brazilian grand prix we'll go into all of that um we're gonna go and do something different because we saw it on twitter and because nba they did their 75th anniversary um team after they had the top 50 and based on that that's where nascar got their 50 greatest drivers gimmick in 1998 so uh, somebody talked about who would you add on twitter i can't remember who exactly so i'm unfortunately uh, i think it was like nascar man or somebody like that yeah nascar yeah that sounds about right so credit to nascar man for bringing it up who would you add to that list and so josh and i are going to go and do that uh we're gonna some of them people some of the drivers might surprise you some of the choices and all so i figure we're gonna have a few different ones uh most of them i think will be the same but we will see about that uh in the roundup we'll discuss the nhra finale at pomona which saw champions crowned in three of the four pro categories and um different some different winners as well bahrain the results of the eight hours of bahrain to end the world endurance championship season and uh rookie test that took place rally japan uh the season finale in the wrc uh championships had already been locked up in drivers and constructors but um still racing for pride there and then uh, we'll preview the F2 season finale at Abu Dhabi. There will be some drivers in FP1 that have F, 
two connections and then there's other people that will be uh, moving up and et cetera, et cetera. In uh, the NFL, a week 10 review, uh, positive to a point for myself in regards to my actual team. My fantasy teams are a disaster. Josh's fantasy team is kind of on the edge, um, needs IDP to show up here. Uh, Jonathan Allen, um, as Washington uh, is driving, so if he can give it to Brian Robinson, that'd be nice. I'm not going to win in the league I have him in, but it would be nice to make it interesting. Uh, we'll get into that. The Jaguars got um, got anal dry from Kermit the Frog and company, but really that was going to happen. Uh, they put up a fight, put up a lot of points, uh, so... It wasn't like uh, Trevor Lawrence was a liability yesterday. They were able to score. Uh, so, you know, it kind of shows that maybe Kansas City can be beat if you scheme the right way. Um, Buffalo did show that prior to when Buffalo started melting down here recently. Uh, so we'll get into all that. We'll talk about our teams for next week in terms of fantasy, but then also regular. We will preview the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, uh, which will be Sebastian Vettel's last um, race of his uh, illustrious career, 299th and final start of his career, four-time world champion, 53 Grand Prix wins, which leaves him third all-time in victories, um, just two ahead of Alan Prost, uh, 12 ahead of Ayrton Senna. So one of the greatest drivers of his time, winning four consecutive world championships. You look at you know, in the history of motorsports, people winning consecutive championships. Um, right now, you have Brad Sweet and World of Outlaws. You have, uh, and other than that, you, everyone thinks about Jimmy, you know, and NASCAR with five in a row. Um, there's other people over time, of course, and that have done that. And Michael Schumacher and um, Lewis, um, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll talk about uh, moments of positives that Sebastian Vettel has brought to the sport. And, um, but it looks like, you know, what we see postseason tests with, uh, new drivers coming in and then some of the young drivers that'll be do be, uh, making their debut. Josh will do his sim segment and then we'll close the deal. So yeah, Sao Paulo Grand Prix, Brazilian Grand Prix. I don't know why they started changing everything into, um, into like the, the, it's like, some of these Grand Prix names are just really stupid. Uh, just you should have left it alone. Um, it's really Imola, uh, Miami, and uh, was it and Mexico City and Sao Paulo. Those are those are the four that they just should should change back or change it to diff, something different. Otherwise, all the other ones are fine. But uh, George Russell had a great weekend. Won his first career Formula One race on the back of winning the sprint race uh, the day before. Lewis Hamilton finished 1.529 seconds behind in second to give Mercedes a 1-2 finish. Carlos Sainz gets a third place finish again at Brazil. Uh, second time he's done that there, this time in a Ferrari instead of a McLaren. Charlie Claire begging to get on the podium and get that extra points but was rebuffed, finished fourth. Signs had a five-grid spot penalty because of power unit uh, change, uh, They and he was able to get back up there. And um, great job by him. 
Fred Alonzo finished fifth after plenty of aggro with his teammate and fellow butthurt douchebag uh, Max Verstappen finished sixth ahead of his teammate Sergio Perez. Esteban Ocon finished eighth, Valtteri Bottas ninth, and Lance Stroll rounded out the top ten. Um, Sebastian Vettel just fell outside the, the top ten at the end of the race because of tires and all that. Yuki Sonoda, in a weird uh, scenario, was the only car that was lapped, and F1 didn't take any responsibility for it, Typically, which is typical. Uh, Lando Norris had a mechanical issue, which ended up kind of altering the race because of his inability to park the car in a decent spot. Uh, then you have Daniel Ricciardo crashing, um, bumping Kevin Magnuson, who was a pole sitter on Saturday for the sprint race, and then running him over uh, when Kevin Magnuson rolled back instead of hitting the brake because he didn't want to be in the traffic, and they both were knocked out of the race. Kevin Magnuson was left stranded at the on the track for most of the day. Uh I mean, the story is George Russell. He's been building up. He's been the more consistent driver this year. And honestly, he's going to be the second driver who's legitimately beaten Lewis Hamilton in a season. And you consider how great Lewis Hamilton is. He's only the second driver, really, because let's I'm not going to give the amount of bullshit that went on in 2016 that allowed Nico Rosberg to somehow or another skate by and win that world championship, you're not going to make an argument for me that's going to make me believe that that wasn't, you know, that wasn't bullshit. Because right now, Lewis Hamilton would have eight or nine championships under that law if you're going to come up with that kind of cockamamie logic. But Jensen Button beat Lewis Hamilton, and I can deal with it. And I think that's maybe why Jensen Button's one of the only people that actually talks about one of the pundits that actually has positive things to say about Lewis Hamilton, because most of them are full of shit. And then George, but uh, George has been more consistent this year. He's been able to deal with how bad this car has been. Yes, he's made mistakes. Yes, he gets on the radio and doesn't sound so great. But this weekend, he was in control, and he showed why he's the future of Mercedes Formula One program. And, um, you know, even having a battle for stopping on Saturday, having a battle Ferraris on Saturday, and then having a battle Sergio Perez on Sunday, and eventually his teammate, a seven-time world champion with under three Formula One wins, at essentially a sec- second home track now. I think U.S. Grand Prix used to be it, but now I think really the Brazilian Grand Prix is like his second home race. Um, honorary Brazilian citizen now, Lewis Hamilton, Sir Lewis Hamilton. Um, but it's really about George Russell, Josh. Uh Great job by him. There's p- plenty of people in the grid talk that uh, that are not fans of him, but you know I've been a fan of his uh, because I look at him and he he has potential to really do a lot of work. He's an F2 champion. He battled for three years driving around in a Williams. He took that car to second place, got him points, big points last year, and you look at where they are this year, it's like night and day, so... Um, credit to George Russell for what he did all weekend, minus you know running off the track on Friday. But uh, uh, to go and get that first career victory, second first time winner this year, of course Carlos signs at the British Grand Prix being the other. Uh, but um, great job by George, locking up likely locking up fourth 
in the um, Drivers' Championship. Uh, I have to confirm that. But, yeah, uh, more than likely uh, is going to finish fourth in the Drivers' Championship unless some miracle happens um, and Lewis wins at Abu Dhabi with a fastest lap and Georgia doesn't score. Uh, George Russell will finish fourth in the World Championship. So um, hats off to him there, Josh. Yeah, hats off to uh, George Russell getting first career, you know, maiden win in uh, Formula One. Um, you know, it's been a long time coming for him, you know, coming through the ranks uh, the last couple of years with uh, Williams being, you know, the test reserve driver for Mercedes. And, you know, he's been in that program for several years now. And, you know, now this is his first time uh, this year being in Mercedes full time, you know, we saw what he could do, you know, all the way back in 2020, you know, the one race where, uh, Lewis Hamilton was, uh, out the sick with, Grand uh, Prix. yep. With COVID and, um, you know, George Russell had a chance to win that Grand Prix actually. And then I, you know, if I remember correctly, it was, um, strategy, uh, mistake by, uh, Mercedes that cost him that victory there. But a, yeah, I think it was, uh, well, it was a, I'm not so sure about strategy. He was in the lead. He, him and Botas were on the front row. He passed Botas on the start, and he was in the lead. I think they pitted him, uh, but there might have been some issue there, and then they pitted him again. They had a slow pit stop. I think one of the slow pit yeah, stops. pit stop and issue then, or something. Which is typical Mercedes. And yeah. then the second issue, he cut a tire and had to go go back. Yeah. And drove back to get a couple of points. Yeah, was, um, that's pretty much what happened there. But you know, he also just uh, was, you know, really uh, twenty twenty one. Also with with uh, Williams, you, know, you saw some of the things that he could do in that car, and uh, you saw his potential. And it, um, you know, he had some close moments there. Um, I mean, notably, you know, he he had the uh, race. I forget if it wasn't the uh, Belgian Grand Prix, but because he finished second there. But there was another race where he was made a mistake and crashed, and you know everybody felt bad for him. And um, you know that was, um, you know, I think a lot of people became George Russell fans that day. But you know, talking about this race, the Brazilian São Paulo Grand Prix, whatever you want to call it, um, I mean, really, you know, just from qualifying, you know, um, onward, you know, he's able to go out and have a good car. Um, of course, you know, won the sprint race, um, and you know was able to put it on pole after that. But, you know, the uh, change of pace, I guess, you know, Mercedes, they've continued to uh, develop their car, whereas, you know, Red Bull, Ferrari, they've largely, you know, stopped developing their car now. And they've, you know, moved on to 2023 and started focusing on the development there. And Mercedes, I guess, now for 2022, uh, begun to uh, close the gap and, uh, you saw the pace that they had throughout the entire weekend, you know, not just in qualifying, but you know, throughout all the practice sessions and uh, the race. Uh, you know, it was clear that they they had the best cars. Um, I thought maybe Lewis might actually win uh, in the middle of the race. Um, you know, he had the lead a couple of times uh, in the race, but you know, George Russell just had a, a you know, I think he just had a faster car at the end of the day, and you know, he was able to get the job done. Um, at the end of the race, Lewis had a little bit of pressure on him at the, in the last couple of laps, but he wasn't able to uh, close the gap really. And you know, George was able to uh, drive away, get the victory. So, um, yeah, uh, kind of, kind of a preview of what we might see in uh, you know two or three years. Uh, you know, once uh, I'm 
you know, I don't know how long Lewis is going to be in Formula One. I imagine probably maybe two to three years at most, probably. Um, although he probably could do it longer if he wanted to, but you know, he's getting older and probably wants to, you know, start doing other things in his life. But you know, George Russell is you know likely going to be the uh, top guy at Mercedes not very long from now, and you know, expect him to um, be you know competing up there with for race victories for podiums along with you know, guys like Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen. So, um, you know, those those three guys, I think, you know, as far as uh, Formula One goes, um, I think they're probably the future as far as, you know, people who you think can be championship contenders and, you know, who, who will probably get the uh, majority of uh, race, you know, winning victories on a you know, week-to-week basis. So, um, yeah, just a preview of what what's to come and, you know, also just a display of talent from, George Russell that we've seen you know, over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, the, I, I think the talent is undeniable with him, and but now he's been able to close the deal, and having those two victories, I think, is just going to open him up, and he is going to relax, and there's going to be a lot of opportunity. I'm not so sure that'll come up this weekend per se, but for 2023, it gives him a lot of hope. Uh, for sure, in terms of long, I mean, just short term, more short term than the long term. I think long term, we know what they're trying to do at Mercedes with him. Uh, we, um, yeah, so we got through that. I mean, L- Lewis Hamilton gets another second place finish um, after having contact with uh, Max Verstappen. That was off a restart. Um, I thought George kind of sandbagged Lewis there in that situation um, after that, during that first restart, waiting as long as he did um, to go and make the restart when they had prior, further restart later in the day after the Lando Norris deal, um, Lewis was able to at least make a gap. And then it was just strictly a battle between those two guys. Um, Max and, and Lewis, of course, with the way they've raced each other, they don't really um, see eye to eye in racing. Max seems to believe that he owns the road, and um, nobody can, if he puts his car there, then you are either going to decide to wreck or get out of the way. And I think there's 19 drivers that do that for him, and there's one driver that won't, and that's Lewis Hamilton. Now, on the flip side of that, you got Lewis has had aggro with with drivers over the years because he's an aggressive driver and he has shown a willingness to put his car in places that other people won't. But I look at over his career, um, outside of people who are jealous of him, which is Max Verstappen, Fernando Alonso, um, and Nico Rosberg, who are all hard, have hard ons and they are all hard ons and, and, and have SPS or something because Lewis is better than him. Uh, you know, he's been able to race around world champions without a problem. He's been able to race with Sebastian Vettel for his whole, for Vettel's entire career, same way they came in at the same time. You know, he's been able to race with, with Jensen Button, who's a world champion. He's been able to race with other drivers that are legendary drivers, the great Michael Schumacher, you know, albeit he wasn't the same kind of guy. Um, has he made mistakes? Has he done things that are probably questionable? Definitely. But the difference is he has awareness. Fundamentally, and that's where this all ends up here, and, and Josh, I'll throw it to you in regards to this as well, but you know, Max Verstappen shows 
a general lack of awareness. He, I brought it, I thought about it yesterday. I'm like, you know what? He's just like Keebler Gibbs. He literally thinks that he's God's gift to motorsports. He has nobody holding him accountable at Red Bull because, you know, Karen Horner and one eyed Marco, you know, lick his balls and kiss his taint. And then you have, you have his useless family that are pathetic and are enablers. And then on top of it, his, his girlfriend is a whore who, whose father is a racist prick. So it's like they're racist, they're stupid, they're ignorant, and he's an ignoramus too. He thinks he can do whatever he wants. He doesn't think he's going to get killed. Good for him. doesn't think he's going to get killed. Keep on going with Lewis Hamilton. He ain't going to be winning 15 races next year if he thinks he's going to race people like that. And he, and he thought it was okay. He basically copped to saying, I did it intentionally because I knew that it would cost him the win. I mean, that's, that's just ridiculous. I, I'm sorry. When, when you're going out there and you're saying that you don't care if you crash into somebody else and you're supposed to be a representative of the sport being a two-time world champion, albeit I would say two-time in air quotes, world champion. I mean, that was one of the two incidents with him. Uh, the other being, which is something we'll get into in regards to the points here in a moment, but um yeah, what were your thoughts on the incident, Josh? And um, I mean, I personally, and I and I said this on Grid Talk yesterday. I thought that they were going to give the penalty to Lewis. Um, I figured they were going to just say he didn't leave him enough room, give him the penalty, and then Max was going to be able. Max's penalty would was having to go and get his wing replaced and do all that. Uh, I was surprised with that um, because usually those kind of things go against Lewis, same way as. Safety cars always seem to go against Lewis and his strategy too. But what were your thoughts on that um, incident between the two guys that are theoretically the two best drivers in Formula One? Yeah, I mean, I think with um, Max Verstappen, it was you know probably a over aggressive move um, at the beginning of the race, and um, you know he probably didn't have to make that pass uh, in that corner. Um, and you know, you talk about um, him being similar to Ty Gibbs. In a way, I mean, I think you said it a long time ago. He's basically kind of like Kyle Busch, or early days Kyle Busch, and you know, a lot of similarities there with you know how you know he's just overly aggressive, and um, you know, Max kind of thinks he owns the road. Um, you know, he's been you know a driver that kind of just kind of expects you know does a lot of taking but doesn't do a lot of giving, and yeah, that that pass, uh, you know to try to go side by side in the apex of turn two, um, probably not the best place to, to pass, uh, at that moment. Um, and got, got into Lewis Hamilton, you know, actually looking at the replay, I actually thought that Lewis sustained a, you know, quite a bit of damage there. And I guess, yeah, it did, um, probably affect his ability to, you know, go out and win the race overall. But, um, I thought, I actually thought that Lewis was done after that, that contact, just the, I guess, like the way it looked and, same same kind of for for stopping as well just cuz um you know those usually those types of contacts uh um end up you know hurting your car and um everything but you know they both were able to kind of continue on and uh for stopping uh you know going having to go get a pit stop for repairs and everything but you know he's able to still kind of come back and make up for it you know and controversy with his teammate and everything and you know Hamilton um, you know, he fell back to, you know, around eighth place, but then, 
you know, he's able to actually get up in, into the lead after that. So uh, just proves how good that car was, um, but just, you know, wasn't good enough uh, for uh, Lewis Hamilton, just not quite uh, enough to actually go out and win. And um, yeah, just a, a poor decision-making by uh, Max Verstappen. And, and um, yeah, I'm sure maybe he will learn, but you know, for right now, um, you know, I guess it's typical of his, behavior and everything but um you know he's he's been quite a, an aggressive guy over the years and um you'll have to see and now he's a double world champion in uh formula one so um imagine that you know at some point you have to be able to um understand to i guess be more aware of your situations and everything but you know we'll we'll see next year and everything is uh you expect Mercedes and uh, Ferrari to be able to catch up to Red Bull and, um, you know, how aggressive will he be and everything. And, you know, um, you just talk about him racing like that and not being able to win 15 races. Well, wouldn't expect him to win 15 races like that again, because I think things are going to regress back to the mean and probably we'll see a little bit more reasonable wins. Uh, not going to put a number, maybe, you know, six, five or six wins or something like that for, Verstappen, you know, so and Mercedes and Ferrari get five wins apiece, something like that, which would be a fairly competitive year uh, if if that did happen next year. But um, you know, definitely expect him to be a little bit more challenged next year and have to adapt to the situations. Um, since since it's going to, you know, he'll he'll be challenged a lot more. So um, you know, obviously this type of racing is not sustainable over you know long term. Might help in the moment, but um, you know, over long term probably not as sustainable to to be able to you know be that aggressive like that and make uh contact and stuff so um yeah he's gonna have to figure it out uh in order to you know play the long game uh against his you know opponents at uh, mercedes and at ferrari speaking of opponents with um mercedes ferrari and even his teammate sergio checo perez um Another big talking point is their uh, the points battle for second in the world championship. Right now, after the results of yesterday's race, uh, Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez are tied at 290 points with one race to go. Um, both drivers at, were with radio contact either were asking for, at least in Leclerc's case, and in Verstappen's case, told to seed position um and in neither case did that happen ferrari has come out and said i mean the reality with ferrari was it was for a podium and it was he had made a big gap carlos signs he had one of the fastest cars honestly if he didn't have the engine penalty uh power unit penalty um he could have been an a contender he had a really fast car he had a fast car in qualifying he was fast in saturday during the sprint finished second had to take a five grid spot penalty pit stops he had a he had a uh what is it uh what do you call a, a tear off get into the like into the right rear brake uh whatever brake cake pan whatever they like to call it they're their brake ducting uh the the way they encased the brake and it was causing a smoking um and a fire and he had a pit early and that basically reset his race and he was chasing the whole way and by the end he was able to get back up to third 
Um, so, you know, it, it could have went different for Carlos Sainz, uh, for sure. He could have had a real chance to finish second yesterday or maybe contend for the win. But in regards to that, Ferrari at one point were looking pretty bad in for constructors, and they might have lost second in constructors yesterday. Uh, but then they turned it around, got to third and fourth. And now they are 19 points ahead of Mercedes with one race to go. So um, there are other battles that I'll bring up. Um, we can go and talk about. I mean, other than that, I mean, Lewis and Carlos are battling for fifth or sixth points between the two of them. Ocon and Alonso, who um, there's plenty of acrimony there. There's only five points between those two. Vettel is a point ahead of Ricardo, but I have a hard time believing Ricardo is going to score points. Magnussen is ahead of two by of Gasly by two points, but I doubt Gasly is going to do anything. Um, yeah, it really doesn't matter. Um, in regards to teams, I mean, Gasly is trying to avoid a a race ban because of the stupidity of the penalty point system. Uh, I mentioned the Ferrari Mercedes battle. It's 19 points. McLaren's double DNF basically handed fourth in the constructors to Alpine. They're 19 points ahead. Um, Alfa Romeo's five points out of Aston Martin, but Aston Martin in the last, what is it, five Grand Prix, have 24, 25 points, while Alfa Romeo have three. So if you go back to six, last six Grand Prix, uh, it's 25 to four. Uh, so there is a possibility Aston Martin has shown pace. Uh, they're going to need a little bit more. Um, Alfa Romeo really did all of their points scoring up to Canada, and it's been pretty bare, barren ever since. Aston Martin's kind of been, they started on the back foot early in the year, and their point scores have been very minor for most of the year, but um, they're, they've made ground. Haas is up by two points. They benefited from uh, uh, Kevin Magnussen's pole and finishing with one point in the sprint to give them a two-point lead over AlphaTauri going into this last race. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the last piece before we get into some news. I mean, I mentioned Ocon and Fred, and we mentioned the team orders thing in regards to Max. He justified it, saying that, you know, Sergio Perez cost him a chance in qualifying at Monaco. Supposedly, there was news that Sergio Perez copped to wrecking intentionally at Monaco in qualifying, which is not the first time that's happened. Michael Schumacher's done it. Nico Rosberg's done it. So it's like, it's a thing. So they don't bother to handle it when it happens. Why do you think these, they, so if they're not going to handle it at that moment, it's happened now. Now you're going to say there's at least three instances of this that's happened in the last 20 years. Um, maybe you should go and look at that sort of shit, Formula One, uh, if you want to talk about integrity. I mean, Formula One, because they're American-owned, seem to be more like NASCAR with the way they officiate and some of the decisions they make. They let the Williams unlap themselves, but they didn't unlap Yuki Sonoda because of some stupid scoring thing and then justified it and left him basically a lap down. He lost two positions to the Williams team when he should have been able to unlap himself, but whatever. It's 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 AlphaTauri. You, you can't really uh, expect AlphaTauri to do things the right way. So uh, your thoughts right now as uh, on what happened yesterday for Perez and Leclerc, 
uh, for their battle for second in the champion world championship and also for Ferrari and um, Mercedes, because I think that plays a part into what we're going to be discussing here later. Yeah, I mean, just with Perez alone, you know, I mean, goes back to what we were talking about earlier with, you know, Verstappen and, you know, Verstappen's had a history of doing this, you know, in the past, like, you know, go back a couple of years when he was teammates with Daniel Ricciardo and uh, he refused to, uh, I, I think he's, yeah, he refused to give uh, Ricciardo a toe uh, in qualifying uh, and, you know, after the team had asked him to, um help give a toe to uh um ricardo and he refused because you know the previous week it was ricardo that had given verstappen a toe and i guess he wasn't going to return the favor and um yeah that's just typical of um verstappen and and you know then you know being a teammate uh in this situation um didn't allow his teammate to uh pass and you know he'd give the position back to um Perez but then he ended up not doing it and uh you know I you know don't ask him again you know and he says he's gonna continue to race and uh you know it doesn't allow Perez to get back and yeah just um unfortunate situation there and we'll see what what that ends up leading to for Perez's um you know future at Red Bull and if it you know gets put in question or not but um, yeah, just a typical move, I guess, like we talked about earlier with Verstappen, you know, with his tactics, racing is also, there's his teammate tactic as well. And, uh, you know, he's just hasn't been a, I guess in that situation, not a good teammate. And then on the other hand, um, you know, I saw a thing on Formula One Reddit that I guess he was supporting his, uh, sim racing teammates in, uh, on Twitch and he was commenting and saying some stuff and, um, yeah, I, he was commenting on their stream while he was at the, you know, Brazilian Grand Prix race weekend. And which is interesting is supporting the, the video game teammates, but not the real life teammates. So I don't know. I don't know what that's all about, but that's, that's how he is, I guess. But yeah, just a bad situation there. And then you can talk about, uh, Charles Leclerc, uh, you know, just a opportunity for, you know, Charles Leclerc to also get, um, more points and potentially finish in, in second, but, you know, he, um, him, him and, um, you know, the rest of the Ferrari team, they, uh, you know, they've just been kind of all over the place really. And, uh, you know, Leclerc, Leclerc's had opportunities, I feel like over the year, you know, the, the course of the year to, you know, be better than this. Uh, but, you know, Leclerc also had the incident with Lando Norris today. So it's not really their fault, you know, that they're in that situation, uh, in, uh, Brazil, but, you know, he got punted in the wall and then uh, fell to 18th to get a new wing uh, in that and definitely hurt, you know, his ability to, you know, get a good finish. Uh, but just, uh, you know, bad situation for Leclerc, although he did come back to finish in fourth, you know, um, finishing, still finishing behind his teammate uh, and everything. So, uh, you know, if he doesn't get touched by uh, by Lando, does does he finish on the podium? Um, or maybe even potentially competed for the race victory, you know, as it remains to be seen. But, you know, it's a, you know, definitely a, a tough situation. And uh, it's going to be very close for a second in the point standings, I think, uh, for, you know, between Leclerc and, you know, between uh, uh, Sergio Perez. So, you know, we'll have to see, you know, what happens here, uh, you know, late 
you know, in the last race, if they're able to settle and, you know, find something, but yeah, just, uh, you know, missed opportunity, I think on both ends, whether it be their own fault or because it was taken away, um, by somebody else. So, you know, just, a um, unfortunate deal there. Um, and also I think, yeah, you talked about, um, yeah, Ferrari. Yeah. So Ferrari's up 19 points over Mercedes and the constructors, so yeah, even with the the victory for Mercedes, you know they still are behind, and I guess you know there's still a chance that they could uh, get you know next weekend they could get something, but uh, it's going to be a tough for them. Uh, I think you'd have to see both Ferraris take themselves out for a chance for Mercedes to you know have a a chance to win, you know, or you know finish ahead of them in the uh, constructors, but. Yeah, just, uh, you know, I think Ferrari's probably got it locked up over Mercedes, but, you know, what remains to be seen if it actually does happen, because, you know, you never know, they they both could have misfortune uh, in in uh, the last race of the season, and uh, Mercedes is able to somehow overtake them, and I think, you know, that'd have to be at least, you know, a podium for Lewis and George Russell again, and or uh, you know, one of them win the race and the other finish, uh, alongside on the podium. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the last race play out for, you know, the rest of the constructors champion, uh, you know, or title. And then also the driver's championship, um, how second and third and beyond are going to uh, end up lining up, um, after the checkered flag waves in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the way they handled it now, the PR, uh, issues that, uh, Red Bull have in regards to that whole situation is not great. I mean, you brought up how Sergio Perez and his future. I kind of feel like Red Bull is building their situation. They sign Enzo Fittipaldi so they can get the PR of Emerson Fittipaldi sitting there being a stan at 900 years old uh, for his grandson. And then they could also basically have Nick DeVries as a Dutch driver, an actual Dutch driver, get picked up to drive for the actual Red Bull team and roll over for for Max uh, as a teammate. Uh, or, I mean, Yuki Tsunoda would definitely be a rollover because he ain't that, he is not good enough, largely because he's really, he hasn't, he wasn't ready. Um, he needed more time in Formula 2, and I think he would have been able to do better. I would venture to say Iwasa, who's in Formula 2 at the moment, at least for what I know. Um, uh, he's a better talent, I think, than Yuki Tsunoda, but will he get a chance because of Red Bull's great driver development program is to be determined. Um, Checo, at the end of the day, I believe, is the better, has better racecraft and more likely, and he has a better car, but the fact is car doesn't suit him. Leclerc has a car that suits him, but Ferrari's Ferrari. They were the only team that went out in Q3 on um, inners or full whatever, and it was still dry, and they were the only one that went out on inners. They didn't bring him back in after a sighting lap. They let him make a whole lap, and then on the second lap, they brought him in, so he ended up qualifying ninth or 10th or whatever the hell he did. So it was really stupid. Ferrari had issues the whole day in qualifying. Um, they are their own worst enemy. If if the team doesn't F up, whether it's with pit stops or strategy, the drivers will F up because they'll crash or they're or and if it or it'll make some mistake, or 
they'll have a, a, a technical mechanical issue. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll get into that more um, later on. Uh, going into some other news, I mean, Fernando Alonso, Esteban Ocon, now they're not getting along, but I mean, it's typical Fernando Alonso. He's a, he's a douchebag and he suffers from SPS. He's on his what third or fourth stop at this team, the Endstone team. And, um, any teammate that make racism hard, he gets butthurt about it. He got butthurt about it when Lewis did it to him got butthurt about it and he's been and he's he's had a hard on for him ever since Esteban Ocon drives him hard and Esteban Ocon drives everybody hard is it smart not really um but at the end of the day I get why Esteban Ocon is the way he is it's such a it's and it's a toxic team to be fair I think it was brought up Tom uh, Downey brought it up on the um grid talk as well where he said where how toxic it's become because of Otmar Saf now because anywhere he goes it's usually bad bad crap is going on so um I agree with that they don't have a very good situation I mean Oscar Piastri at least has been let out of his contract so he can test for McLaren uh next week after Abu Dhabi um Alonso leaves but at the end of the day Fernando Alonso is a douchebag um yes he's a great driver and has great talent in his day he was really really good but um and i and i completely give credit to him a couple of years with ferrari basically with one arm tied behind his back was battling red bull and had a chance to win a couple more world championships which could have set reset his whole entire career um but at the end of the day his own arrogance stupidity and uh douchiness is the reason why he hasn't won a Grand Prix since 2012 and, uh, you know, is still at two world championships. And he lost to his teammate after winning two consecutive world championships and making a team move, uh, who was a rookie. And said rookie should have beat him, and he should have been the world champion that year. But McLaren fucked it up. So at, so at the end of the day, Fernando Alonso, just like Max Verstappen, can go and go and lick a lick a freaking herpes full like balls or whatever uh I, I don't like either of them and then not both of them are just scumbags and the media the dutch media and the spanish media are just as big of a part of the problem with the way formula one is going as the social media with a lot of the you know lcd fan bases and i say this being a Lewis fan, but there's plenty of LCD Lewis Hamilton fans. There's plenty of LCD Max fans, Fernando Alonso. I mean, Lando Norris is, is useless. I don't know why the hell people deal with him. He's a tool. Um, I'm, I mean, at the end of the day, honestly, I think you, Josh, could go and beat him in sim. I know he's a really good sim racer, but I think you could beat him. And it would be funny how he would react to that. I think you could. I mean, I'm not yeah, him that, and Max. That would and, take several years. <laughs> yeah, happen. well, whatever. But you know, the fact is, you're humble about whatever. I mean, you're you you'll humble brag about your Indy 500 win. I get it, but you know, like former guest uh, Tanner Watkins, who has won the Indy yeah, 500. I, I can hang that over Alonso and and um, uh, Verstappen. Yeah, I, yeah. I have I have an Indy 500. And what do you guys have? Yeah, yeah, yeah they're Fernando, not, yeah. Fernando came to America to try and win the formula, the Indy 500, and he didn't do that. So, 
and yeah, I was he, able to. And do he it. was in the best, and he was in the best car at Le Mans in a yeah. in a car that was almost impossible not to win. Uh, so he won two out of three, but he's never going to win the Indy 500. So he can suck a dick, um, just like Max Verstappen. Uh, you know, for all the bullshit both of them bring to the table. Uh, one piece of news uh, coming out of this weekend is uh, Nico Hulkenberg is going to take over in the second seat at Haas. So there'll be two veteran drivers at Haas. Um, Nico Hulkenberg, after two or three years away, will be back in Formula One trying to get that elusive podium. If a Haas can actually get a podium, that would be something. But then, of course, Kevin Magnussen went out and qualified on pole. So, you know, stranger things have happened on Gene Haas's, on the weekend of Gene Haas's 70th birthday. Did Taylor Heineke fumble the ball and then almost throw an interception there? I think that's what he almost did. It's 14-10 with 5-13 to go in the first half. So Washington at least is making it a game. It's an 11-point spread, so that's that's actually... there after fumbling the snap. Yeah, so it was a smart move by Taylor Heineke. There are other quarterbacks that wouldn't be able to do that for sure. Uh, So, okay, so this is a little different. I mean, obviously we're... We're very North American NASCAR centric podcast. We go over all things motorsports, but NASCAR is a big part of what we talk about here. It's how we became friends. One of the reasons why we became friends. And um, I think NASCAR man brought it up, as you said, you know, 50 greatest drivers took place in 1998 in the 50th year. Now we're going into the 75th year of NASCAR here in 2023. And, um, who would who should we add to the list? I mean, NBA, as I mentioned earlier in the open, did that. And, of course, you know, the kind of players that they added, the Lebanon James, the, the Steph Currys, Kevin Durant, Mr. Miserable. Lebanon James? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's whatever. Uh, you know, these people, you know, all these great players that played over time. Uh, I forget who else they had there in 98, but I'm I'm trying to, I mean, I don't. I don't follow basketball like that anymore. I, if I u- did the way I used to, then I would know those players that that were in there. But I definitely know the names I have on this list. So, um, I mean, honestly, I mean, you think about it. You were you were a pretty young kid when in '98, right? So uh, I was not even watching NASCAR yet in 1998. Yeah. So, so let's let's just go and do a. A wayback machine to 1998 when they named the 50 greatest drivers. Now this is an alphabetical order. Uh, they named Bobby Allison, Davy Allison, Buck Baker, Buddy Baker, Jeff Bodine, Neil Bonnet, Red Byron, Jerry Cook, Dale Earnhardt, Ralph Earnhardt, Bill Elliott, Richie Evans, Red Farmer, Tim Flock, A.J. Foyt, Harry Gant. Jeff Gordon, Ray Hendrick, Jack Ingram, Ernie Irvin, Bobby Isaac, Dale Jarrett, Ned Jarrett, Junior Johnson, Alan Kowicki, Terry Labonte, Fred Lorenzen, Tiny Lund, Mark Martin, Herschel McGriff, Cotton Owens, Marvin Panch, Benny Parsons, David Pearson, Richard Petty, Lee Petty, Tim Richmond, Fireball Roberts, Ricky Rudd, Marshall Teague, Herb Thomas, Curtis Turner, 
Rusty Wallace, Daryl Waltrip, Joe Weatherly, Bob Wellborn, Rex White, Glenn Wood, Cale Yarbrough, and Leroy Yarbrough. And then out of that list, uh, out of that list of 50, 36 of those 50 are currently um, members of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. So, um, and there are guys, there are people that are on the modern era list amongst that group, I think here. Uh, Ricky Rudd was a part of it. Oh, I left Larry Phillips out. Oh, boy. Okay, I'm going to have to make a change. All right, so that that actually works out fine for me it it that all right so i'm i'm making a change on the fly here to my list cuz i voted for him before larry phillips to be in the hall of fame cuz he's a legend in the winston racing series i mean roid rage is on the list yeah, your hall of fame again. voting power yeah ho- yeah the hall of fame hall of fame yeah you got neil bonnet who is a part of the top 50 sam ard who wasn't a part of the top 50. Um, so we're, we'll get into some of those. I mean, I'll, I mean, those are 36 of the 50, you know, the greatest drivers are in as it stands. Ricky Rudd is part of the modern era ballot nominees or whatever. They, I um, I mean, they say they have three now. So these, they're coming out of this list. So it combines drivers, crew chief, crew chiefs and um or crew chief mechanics and owners i think they come those are the three different uh categories essentially now um just as a a, a connecting it from the past to the present i mean right the list this past year which sees uh herschel mcgriff was a part of the um 50 greatest drivers. He got elected into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Kirk Shelmarine, who was a crew chief for Dale Earnhardt for five of his, uh, or four of his seven championships, uh, part of the Flying Aces, um, unsung hero guy, the very underrated crew chief, gets into the Hall of Fame. He wanted to be a race car driver. One race is an ARCA, finishing top 20 in the Daytona 500 in 2006 in an underfunded car. And um, Matt Kenseth, Kenseth, as um, Dale Jr. would say, um, those three guys are going into the Hall of Fame in January of 2023. The other people that are on the list as of now are Sam Ard, who is a legend in the what is now the Xfinity series. Neil Bonnet, who I know as a great TV broadcaster, but he had a really solid career in the Cup Series as a driver. Tim Brewer was a great crew chief, won championships. Jeff Burton, which I have an interesting piece that I learned in my rabbit hole I went down. Carl Edwards, which was even more interesting with the rabbit hole I went down. A.J. Foyt, who's one of the 50 greatest drivers in NASCAR history, but he's one of the greatest race car drivers ever lived. Harry Gand, who was part of that top 50 driver list. Harry Hyde, who is one of the most interesting people ever to work in the sport. Banjo Matthews, who... A uh, legendary uh, mechanic, engine builder, car builder, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Ralph Moody, one half of Hullman and Moody, uh, was uh, great with the Fords uh, and built great race cars, and a lot of drivers won races for them. Larry Phillips, as I mentioned, Winston Racing Series legend. Ricky Rudd, who was part of the 50 Greatest Drivers. 
So I, I mean, the, the, I said 36 of the 50 have been elected to the hall of fame. The guys that haven't been, I'm not trying to list them all. I never, I don't even know who the hell Bob Wellborn is. And I'm, I'm a racing. I've been into this for, for God knows how long. For for since I was seven and I'm 37, I've never heard of him. When I saw that name, I didn't I I didn't know who the yeah it says Bob Wellborn NASCAR comes up so okay uh, was a Grand National Series driver. Um, he won the NASCAR convertible division. Won his first race um, at Martinsville in '57. Four straight wins and. Pole position is like so. He was a convertible division champion three years in a row and led the convertible division and wins two in 50, 58 and 59. He didn't win the championship in 59 and he was the pole sitter for the first Daytona 500. Okay, but yeah, all right. So, uh, convertible division, he he. Won three championships, won 19 races, 87 top 10s in 111 races. He actually won nine cup races. Okay, well, what? It says 100. It says best finish. Oh, and the series championship was fourth. Okay, all right. So he finished fourth in the championship. That was his best result. Um, won nine cup races, 102 top 10s, seven pulls. Named one of the, and he was part of the Nash NMPA Hall of Fame. Okay. All right, so we're learning something new here. So this is an educational portion of the GSP. Um, I mean, I've heard of a lot of the other guys, either because I've seen them, I've read about them, heard stories about them, et cetera, et cetera. Really, I mean, the fact, I mean, it, it gives me joy that Ernie was a part of the top 50 just because I was a fan of his. Um, Leroy Yarbrough, I remember driving him driving that 98 um, Ford not sure who the owner was, but they have that die cast out there. I mean, Jeff Bodine, people that hate him in the South because he raced Earnhardt hard, hard. He was a great modified driver, and he was good in cup. He was Hendrick's first driver. They were a race away from going broke, and he won that race. And Hendrick Motorsports, as we know, it wouldn't exist if that hadn't happened. And Jeff Bodine made a lot of great innovations and in safety um other innovations within the car yeah he's a douchebag i mean all of them all the bodine brothers are douchey in a way but jeff bodine was really really good in a lot of ways oh and he saved us the us bobsled team because the bodine bobsled um came along and since then over the past uh 30 years the united states uh bobsled team has become a force so if you don't even if you want to no sell his racing career where he was a multiple modified champion, won in Cup Xfinity, ran teams in those series, he saved an Olympic team for our country. There you go. Um, Neil Bonnet, of course, Ralph Earnhardt, we know, um, Foyt Gant, Hendrick, Ray Hendrick, who was a great uh, modified and um, late model stock driver, Tiny Lund. I think a lot of the stories about Tiny Lund are, are just as cool as the fact that he was a great driver. Marvin Panch, it's amazing he's not in the Hall of Fame. I'm I'm surprised. That's one that I would have figured uh, he would be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Marshall Teague, who drove the Hudson Hornets back in the day, 
you know, like the great uh, P.L. Newman voiced in the original Cars movie. Uh, so I guess, do you want me? I, I've been talking, so. Um, yeah, I, I can bring up who you I want to go first. Of. Yeah, so yeah. For, for your top 25, and then I'm going to go and mark um, what is similar and what, what, and I'll write what isn't on my end. Well, I, I think to start off um, on this list, you have to list every cup champion since 1998 that isn't already on the list. So that's basically um, everybody besides uh, Jeff Gordon and Dale Jarrett. So, you know, you got Bobby Labonte, uh, you know, two-time champion in NASCAR and in Bush Series and in, in Cup. Um, first championship for Joe Gibbs, Tony, Matt Kenseth, you know, you already talked about him in the Hall of Fame, Kurt Busch. Jimmy, of course, Mr. Seven-Time, and then Brad, Kevin Harvick, uh, Kyle Busch, Martin Jurex, Joey Logano, Chase, and then uh, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, William Clyde Elliott II. So you have both Elliots on there. So that's, um, what, what's the count on there? That's, I'm, I'm not, I'm not counting here, but that's... Uh, give me a second here. Yeah. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven... Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So that's Counting twelve all guys. the champions. Right, right. Okay. And then um then you have to start looking at guys who excelled, you know, outside of that, who are notable and outstanding. Um, you know, I'm gonna go with uh Greg Biffle. Uh, you know, he was a three time winner uh in you know, across all three series, uh and you know, won championship in Xfinity and in trucks. So that's uh, 13. Um, Carl Edwards uh, probably should have won the 2008 championship. Um, you know, uh, had a chance to win in 2016. Of course, that got taken away from him there. Um, so, yeah, 14 now. Uh, 15, I think, Ryan Newman, 50 poles and in, in, you know, over 50 poles in NASCAR. Uh, you know, he's been one of, you know, the rocket man, uh, Denny. Um, you know, he's probably of the modern drivers right now, probably the most successful to not win a championship. Uh, uh, so yeah, 16, 17, I think, obviously I think, you know, Dale Jr. should be on there two time Daytona 500 winner and two time Xfinity champion. Um, not to mention, although it's not a, not a reflective of his skill, but you know, most popular driver, um, on the, you know, on the champ, you know, uh, last couple of years or you know last basically the last 20 years um i i mentioned truex right i said i said him on on the list okay cause, yeah, uh, because because he's a champion yeah yeah he's a champion so of course he'd be on the list um yeah i'm i'll give one to uh jamie mcmurray um you know he had a brickyard 400 win and a daytona 500 win in the same year uh you know he had it so and plus uh, also another uh, three-time you know, winner across truck Xfinity and uh, Cup. Uh, so that should be uh, up up to eighteen drivers now. Uh, think. Um, Did you give yeah. consideration to all the series? So thinking yeah. about Xfinity yeah. trucks and like even modifieds and yeah and i think stuff so like and, that. and the uh the races yeah the because uh, i mean you look at some of the original lists like jerry cook um well you know he 
never I mean, he was but... mostly mostly a modified driver, right? Yeah. And some of these guys uh who weren't Richie um, Evans. Richie yeah. Evans, yeah. And I mean let's I mean let's go back to you talked about Sam Ard. Sam Ard is uh you know one of the original champions in you know what's known as the Xfinity series today. So um you know I think he deserves uh a list you know to be on there as well. Uh so yeah that's now you know we should be at at 19 drivers now uh on for me um yeah it's starting to starting to get tough to kind of list all these guys out uh i mean i'll, I'll give i'll give jeff burden a nod cuz um you know he's he was a, a nominee for the hall of fame and he's currently not on the list and he had a pretty solid career in nascar uh so you can give him give him uh there uh uh let's see who else um Starting, it's starting to get pretty, pretty hard here. But uh, I'll, I'll give yeah. you a little help here. Yeah, give me a little help here. Is because Kenseth and Earnhardt, of course, are both now yeah. last two years have been elected to the Hall of Fame. Tony and Bobby went in together with Gibbs as part of like a package deal a few years ago in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Ron Hornaday Jr. Yeah, yeah, we can give Ron Hornaday fame. Yeah, so. Uh, he's the all-time winner in truck series history outside of Kyle Busch, of course. Um, yeah. And he's won the most truck series championships. He is yeah, so the he, iconic he should be on driver there. in the series. Yeah. Um, and he went in a few years ago, actually. Um, the only other person, I mean, I, I'm, I might be giving away something on my end. Of course, Wendell Scott was oh, put yeah, into sure. the Hall of Fame uh, for you know being a trailblazer and what he had to go mm-hmm. through. Um, but yeah, he was a part, he's a guy that was in the hall of fame as well. And then Mike Stefanik, the legendary, uh, seven time modified champion and two time or six time modified, uh, champion and two time Bush North series champion. One of the greatest Northeast drivers ever drove the Burnham boilers cars there, um, he was a. Uh, I, I always remember him driving the fifty-one car, and um, but he's he is in the Hall of Fame right now, NASCAR Hall of Fame right now. So I would I venture to say that anybody who's already in the Hall of Fame, I would figure would fill in in that spot. Oh yeah, but for it's, sure. It's your yeah, list too. So I, I agree with some of the guys. Like you brought up Ron Hornaday uh, on there, and you know he's a uh, someone who was very dominant in the in the truck series um, for, you know, a very long time uh, and everything. So, you know, he deserves to careers to be yeah. fair. He did it for Dale Earnhardt driving yeah. in, in the DEI came back many years later driving for Harvick and then had another career where he ended up winning championships too. Yeah, I, I would agree there. Um, so, you know, he's, you know, he's been somebody that, uh yeah definitely was on on that list um so yeah i should be up to uh 20 and then you yeah rich i mean i think yeah richie evans should be on that list too because uh you know he was um somebody that she was part uh, of the top okay so he's already already in the top so is jerry cook so is jerry cook okay um yeah uh i mean we talk about so I'll eliminate some people because we've talked about consideration to uh, the um, Xfinity and the trucks and you know some people that shouldn't be on the list. I don't think you can put 
um, Ricky Stenhouse won two times uh, in yeah. the you know two-time <laughs> champion Xfinity, right? But I would not consider him as a you know one of the greatest ever because yeah. he did it in a relatively weak era and he didn't follow it through with Cup dominance or relevance. Really, he w- wasn't you know really uh, relevant in the Cup series. Um, it's too early yeah, to determine Tyler right? Reddick. Yeah. So, so well, and Tyler only been around for a couple years. About that, yeah. I had a debate about that in my mind with yeah. my list. So. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's something there. Uh, you know, we didn't bring him up, or we haven't mentioned him either. But how about uh, Sterling Marlin? Uh, okay. Know, he, yeah, he um, had a good career as well. I mean, not very many wins, but a two-time Daytona, Daytona 500, 500 winner, winners. and then you know he was the first winner for Dodge when they got back into the series with uh, Ganassi Racing, and you know had a had a chance to win the 2002 title, but then yep. you know, came up short with the neck injury uh, there, and uh, you know ended up not not winning. So um, you know, and of course, gave birth to Jamie McMurray's career there. So. Uh, could have could have been you know a, a lot more for him, but you know he's definitely should be on that list. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean it, it's got got to start digging deeper here. I mean got, maybe about twenty two yeah. over here based yeah. on the list you gave. Yeah, you gave yeah yeah. So I mean you could give a nod to uh, you know Casey Kane, eighteen time winner in the Cup Series, two thousand and four Rookie of the Year. So that's number twenty three on that list um uh let's see now 23 um we'll go back to uh xfinity and uh winners i mean um clint boyer was uh pretty good in the xfinity series and uh had a decent cup career and um you know had had a couple of solid years uh where he was pretty good and you know very competitive uh with with michael walter he only won one championship yeah he only won one championship i won two championships but yeah yeah, it makes sense it makes sense i mean it was a it was a different i mean there there are different weights to it right because like i said with with boyer or not with boyer but with stenhouse he did it when the xfinity series was basically weak uh and you know didn't didn't really you know do uh, a whole bunch uh in you know, in Xfinity and, um, or, or in, um, cup, I mean, you know, Clint at least contended for, uh, a championship or two in, in the cup series. And, um, you know, he was kind of a long shot to win the 2012 championship, uh, against Brad, um, yeah. and he had finished it, second yeah. in the cup series. Yeah. yeah. Finished second in the, so he at least, you know, had even uh, after Jeff Gordon tried to kill him. At the yeah, end. that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, we give let's see i'm yeah gotta gotta try to see who else is not on this list that isn't already uh, uh may have to so is that 23 yeah, or 24? that's 23 that's 23 i have two more two more guys to to pick yeah we're gonna do this on the fly here because um i yeah I, i've been very busy the last couple of days so i haven't been able to really but i i had some buys in mind like the championship list i think i have 24 know, yeah, here so okay I so you have 24, to, I, 24. One, um yeah. Just give me uh, a second. Okay. Yeah, it's twenty four actually. You have. Yeah. Okay. Twenty four. And yeah, we'll go with another Xfinity driver to close out the list. How about uh, you know Randy Lejoy? You know he was a solid guy. Uh, you know for many years and you know in the you know one of the you know original Xfinity or Bush series guys that uh, did it back when it was a lot more competitive. So we'll give him a nod there. Um, 
for me. But yeah, I mean, some of these guys, yeah, like, you know, they were champions, like, okay, like Ricky Stenhouse, Tyler Reddick, either it's too early or, you know, they did it in a weak uh, field and it's, and they didn't follow it through with uh, cup series dominance. And then, you know, LaJoy, of course, uh, you know, he was a champion in the Xfinity series, but he was relatively successful in the nineties when it was still kind of its own series and everything before yeah. it became cup light and everything. So yeah, that's a, I feel like that's a pretty solid list. Um, you know, I, I had in, in my mind, you know, like, um, it's a lot of guys in the, you know, very modern, you know, era here in the, you know, two thousands and yeah, it kind of does show, I guess a little bit of bias towards that year. Cause that's when I started watching and everything. You but, started watching. You know, yeah. But, you know, I, I feel like those are guys that, you know, make up that list that weren't already on there. And, you know, if you're including the, you know, 25 years since 1998, then I think that, uh, you know, you should be able to include uh, those drivers on that list. Yeah, it makes sense. I thought it would be only five. It actually was 10 was the difference between my list and yours. Um, a lot of them were cup drivers. Um, for the exception of uh, Randy LaJoy, um, which I had actually forgotten as part of a list I have over here on the bottom. But I was debating Randy LaJoy on my list. But, I mean, as much as I think Randy LaJoy's greatest contribution in NASCAR was the seats he built, um, not as much the fact that he was a two-time Xfinity Series champion. Um, I mean, his mic work uh, was, was first class because he had great quotes. He's built a kid. He made a kid that's uh, entertaining as hell, even though he runs 30th in the cup series every week. But, um, but he's a great car builder and he would, he would be a hall of fame crew chief, honestly. Uh, but instead he wants to run 30th in, in the cup series as a driver. I mean, whatever, God bless him. Um, you brought up one before I get into my list. Yeah. You got, you brought up Burton, Biffle and Edwards and Burton, in terms of like the best top drivers in NASCAR history, in terms of total wins, Jeff Burton has 48 total wins. So it's one less than what Tony has in cup. So he had 27 Xfinity wins and 21 cup wins. I didn't know that his full thing. So that's really crazy. Good. Greg Biffle had 56 total wins across all three series. That doesn't include, of course, running in the Southwest tour where Benny Parsons found him on winter heat. 19 cup wins, chance at a championship twice in 05 and 08, won the Xfinity Championship, won 20 races, 17 truck wins, dominated in 2000, won the Truck Series Championship before he moved to Xfinity. 56 total wins. Carl Edwards has 72 total wins, 28 in cup, 38 in Xfinity, which is way up there in terms of the highest in the total list. Of course, um, I think you, you put... Kyle Busch, because he went over 100 in his own level, but then after that, I think it's Mark Martin, or it's like Kevin Harvick, Mark Martin, and then Carl Edwards. And then six truck wins at Roush for 72 total wins, which puts him in the top 10 all-time in wins. So those three guys, I definitely, um, that those were ones that I was like, oh, man, I, I kind of was like, oh, that that would be interesting because they're going to be like, it is a NASCAR Hall of Fame. And so, I mean, Biffle, I kind of feel like, I mean, honestly, Burton's going to get into the Hall of Fame because he's on, they need it for the PR for the announcing. They want him, they'll put him in the Hall of Fame. Even though he never won a championship, I think he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. 
But Biffle and Edwards definitely um, have cases. I mean, you brought up LaJoy, uh, Boyer, Kane, Marlin, Larson, Newman, McMurray. Okay, so that's five. Yeah, those are the ten. So those are the ten I didn't have on my list. Um, The ones I did have on my list were in no particular order, not intentional by any means, was Ron Hornaday Jr., Tony Stewart, Bobby Labonte, Jimmy Johnson, Kyle and Kurt Busch, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Matt Kenseth, um, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex Jr., Sam Ard, and William Clyde Elliott II. Those are the ones that I had similar to Josh. Um, The ones that were different, of course, I went Wendell Scott. Um, He's in the Hall of Fame. I did my senior thesis on him. Uh, There are other reasons. There's plenty of other reasons, honestly. We don't have to. This is not the day to do it, honestly. Uh, But we could really get into why what Wendell Scott has meant to me as a NASCAR fan and a motorsports fan in general. And um, but he has made he made a difference for the good, considering what he had to go through. And essentially what he's going, what he went through is what Daryl Wallace is going through now. Um, so, I mean, Wendell, and it was much worse for Wendell Scott. So I put him in there. Uh, then after that, I mean, we talked about the trucks. We talked about Ron Hornaday. So to me, Jack Sprague, nobody talks about Jack Sprague. I don't understand why. He's a three-time Truck Series champion. When I think about the Truck Series, I think about three people. Hornaday, Sprague, and Mike Skinner. Mike Skinner won the first title. Ron Hornaday won the second title. Jack Sprague won the third title. Skinner won for Richard Childress Racing. Hornaday won for Dale Earnhardt. And Jack Sprague won for Richard Childress. Or, I mean, Rick Hendrick. All three Chevy outfits. All three big-time people. Jack Sprague played a role in starting parking at Atlanta to help championships happen too. I mean, he ended up having a Xfinity and a cup career after his truck series career. He was in the Bush series prior to being in the trucks. I mean, Jack Sprague is one of the greatest drivers and uh, he's no, no doubt top five in truck series history. Um, I put Mike Skinner in there because he had 20, I mean, I was looking up like truck series wins all like all time. So NASCAR truck, what is it? Truck series wins all time. I was looking up the list and um, yeah, so they have the gallery. So all time truck series wins. I mean, of course it's Kyle Busch who has uh, the most at, uh, what is it? Uh, What the heck is that? When did that happen? Oh, international drivers. Okay. Yeah, 62 for Kyle Busch. Ron Hornaday is 51. Mike Skinner has 28 Truck Series wins. He won the original title. He's tied for third with Jack Sprague. There you go. So I left, I guess I left Johnny Sauter off, but that was intentional because he's a tool. Um, but yeah, so those, so I, let me go and make sure I mark those off. So I marked off Wendell Scott. I mentioned him. Uh Mentioned Jack Sprague, and I mentioned Mike Skinner. Um, Yeah, so we went over that, went over those, went over those. So on my list, I also included Todd Bodine, 
because he had 22 wins and two championships. Um, him, his combination with Jermaine Racing with the Hillmans, they were dominant. They didn't always have a lot of funding, and um, they were able to go out there and win a lot of truck races. He was dominant at, on super speedways. Um, gave him a gave him a career now on TV. Um, he was able to go make 500 starts because of Friesen this past year. So Todd Bodine's one of the all-time greatest. He's the sixth winningest driver in the Truck Series history. I mean, I mentioned Biffle. Ted Musgrave had 17 truck wins. Wow. Um, another Truck Series driver who is a three-time series champion uh, in the Truck Series is Matt Crafton, and um, I put him in. Yeah, he's won 15 races over a, basically a 22-year career, so it's not a very great uh, win win percentage. He was a Southwest Tour champion prior to entering the Truck Series, on and off for 22 years um, being in the Truck Series, but he's a three-time series. There's only one driver that has more titles than him in the Truck Series, and it's Ron Hornaday. And he was a mentor to him, and he slept on Ron Hornaday's couch in the basement like many other drivers over time. Uh, Matt Crafton holds a place in history because of that. Um, and he's still in the truck series. I don't think he's ever going to leave the truck series because Duke and Ronda Thorson and Menards love him so much. So those guys are in there and we listed some of these other ones. So now some of the, these last few drivers, I have one, two, what is it? Three, four, five. I mentioned a little bit. I mentioned Mike Stefanik. He's one of my favorite drivers. Um, I'm a North. I have a Northeast bias no matter what, but he was one of the greatest ever and um, winning all those championships. You can't overlook that Um, and being great in a modified tour, the all time modified tour championship winner in such a competitive series um, means a lot. Uh, I also added Doug Kobe to that list. Who's a five time modified tour champion or six, but I need to go and bring it up. I don't want to go and be wrong on this one, even though people aren't fact checking NASCAR modified tour champion list. NASCAR wheel and modified tour. Yeah. So all time top 10 drivers. Yeah. So, I mean, Richie Evans, who was already in there with Jerry Cook, who had six, Richie Evans at nine, Jerry Cook at six, and then Ray Ray Hendrick who was a part of that list. Jeff Jeff Bodine. So those are four of the top five. We're all in the top fifty. Um, two drivers that I'm going to mention. I already mentioned Mike Stefanik. He had seven, so he had nine total titles, seven modified titles, and two Bush North championships. So nine all time. And then Tony Hirschman Jr. five. Uh, championships in the modified tour between 1995 and 2005 Stefanik won uh four of his in that time frame four of his seven in that time frame or five of his seven around Tony Hirschman's time so can you consider that those two guys are racing each other for all those years and literally from 1995 till 2006 um the only people that were able to beat them were Jerry Marquis in the year 2000 and Todd Zegedy 
um, who was part of the Roush uh, driver development deal back in the day. So uh, in a, in a span of whatever, however many years from 95 to 2006. So where Stefanik ended up winning his seventh title. Uh, so those two guys were in there. Uh, Mike Stefanik's a legend. He's in the hall of fame. Tony Hirschman jr. Is somebody that, I think should have consideration winning five modified titles. Um, Doug Kobe has won six modified titles. He won four in a row from 14 through 17. Um, Between 2012 through 2019, only Ryan Priest, who people know now in the Cup Series and Xfinity, and then Justin Bonsignor um, beat him for the title. Uh, Doug Kobe won six championships. He's been in the mix ever since then, even with some of the changes that have gone on. Um, he was in the mix this past this year to possibly go and get number seven and tie Mike Stefanik, but John McKennedy got that victory there uh, with an LFR uh, chassis. So that's what five, six of the last eight have been LFR chassis victories was part of Doug Kobe was part of it. Um, Fury. So Tony Uri's building a modified for Justin Bonsignor. So that's interesting. Um, so Bonsignor is part of my list. Uh, three time modified champion. One of the best out there. Never really got a shot in down South. Um, but you know, he, he was, he's a really talented race car driver he runs uh he runs the uh midgets indoors at uh at uh here in Atlantic City and otherwise and um you know he's won thirty two races in the modified series and nineteen poles and then he's a three time champion so he's um i mean he didn't i i thought he he did try to come down down south but i guess i was wrong i think maybe he ran the southern modified tour um but he's finished first three times he's been second twice and third once so in the span of six years um so that's 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 really really good um he didn't compete for the whole tour this year but won two races in the um in this this year so he's a great driver uh, one of the best ever. And then, I mean, I mentioned Doug Kobe, six-time champion. And then um, Tony Hirschman. Those three, are, I mean, I, I think about the modified tour. You have Jeff Bodine. You have Jeff Bodine. You have Ray Hendrick. You have Richie Evans and um, Jerry Cook. Those guys all represent the modified tour in a lot of ways. I think... I didn't I have to write him down now, too, actually. So there you go. Uh, I'm going to write that down because I got a nice, uh, nice honorable mention list now. Um, the last one on my list. So Wendell Scott, Ron Hornadace, Tony Stewart, Bobby Labonte, Jimmy Johnson, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Arvick, Dale Jr., Matt Kenseth, Tony Hirschman, Mike Stefanik, Justin Bonsignor, Jack Sprague, Matt Crafton, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex, Mike Skinner, Todd Bodine, Sam Ard, William Clyde Elliott II, and Doug Kobe. The last one was Larry Phillips. Uh, Larry Phillips is, I'm just going to read his bio from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. I'll steal their work. 
the legend of Missouri's Larry Phillips cannot be measured in wins alone. That's because nobody can say for sure how many victories there were there. Um, he's a five-time champion in the Winston Racing Series or NASCAR Weekly Series. I guess now it's the Advanced Auto Parts, whatever the hell it is. Um, they said they named him one of the 25 top drivers in NASCAR Weekly Series in 2006. Five champion, first of two drivers who win five championships. Um, he won 220 out of 289 races between 1989 through 1996. 13 track championships in three states. Um, so, I mean, that that's, uh, that's crazy. That's kind of like Dick Trickle, you know, uh, in that same level. He, he's in that, that realm. And his legend you know, precedes him and, you know, even with his untimely death with what happened to Dick Trickle. But Larry Phillips belongs in the Hall of Fame because it's a NASCAR Hall of Fame. It's the same way as he, you know, belongs in the top 25. So before we move on, I some people that I saw and I started digging in, I mean, you brought up Randy LaJoy, Josh. There's two other people I think you're familiar with to a little, little point, Larry Pearson, who was yep. a two-time Xfinity Series champion back in the 80s, of course, the son of David. And Jimmy Spencer, two-time modified champion, Mr. Excitement, more known for the crying towel and the cigar and getting pied in the face by Brad Keselowski on NASCAR Race Punched in the face by Kurt Busch. And, uh. yeah, and then, and then, or Kurt Busch, and then Jimmy Kirk. Spencer returning the favor, actually. Yeah. No, he punched. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting it backwards. He punched Kurt Busch in the face, and then they suspended. And then got him for suspended a for Bristol, which is one of his favorite races. And then Kurt Busch won that race, um, which is the irony is rich in that one. But um, those are three guys, and two of them are Northeast guys. So it's interesting. I didn't put them in there. Um, I had listed five more. Two of them are ARCA guys now because NASCAR owns ARCA. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't in theory, even we could have, we could, I Frank Kimmel. put <laughs> Frank Kimmel. Exactly. It's Frank Kimmel and Iggy Katona. Iggy Katona set all the records in ARCA that the likes of Benny Parsons tried to pass and all that. And then Frank Kimmel, uh, 10 time ARCA series champion. Uh, yeah, sorry. I don't want to interrupt, but T- Taylor McLaurin just hauled in a pretty nice pass from Heineke there. That was pretty good over the top. Yeah, yeah, I saw. I thought it was a yeah. Terry McLaurin's a beast. Um, so it's still four. Oh, it's twenty to fourteen. Oh boy, it's still a close game. And Washington and Washington's in the red zone. Yeah, Washington's red zone. So yeah, Frank Kimmel, Iggy Tona mentioned those three uh, guys that were Xfinity and Jimmy Spencer had a decent. You know, like if you count his modified and Xfinity wins to his what two questionable cup wins he had um he won truck races too so he he actually won on all three series i went down the road of cascar which is now the pinty series so in theory it's the same series so i went down right now in terms of cascar the all-time champion the most champions in championships in cat in the in the or the pinty series is scott steckley with four 
So I've been like, okay, maybe I could have thought about him being in there. Andrew Ranger, former IndyCar and open-wheel driver, who has now made his name in the Pinties series as the most wins, and he has three championships, so that would be one. But Don Thompson Jr., I remember watching it on Speed Channel when I first, like, in, in my teenage years, and they'd show Cascar, and he would always win. I'm like, oh, I hate this fucking guy. He always wins. I wanted the Mopar guy. I wanted, I, I'm trying to remember Ron Beauchamp Jr., who drove the Mopar Dodge. I wanted, or DJ Kennington, who's, of course, had had a great career. Um, I wanted a Mopar to win. I was like, oh, they have, they actually look like the cars. I loved it. You know, as long as it wasn't a Chevy and it wasn't John Thompson Jr. But then I ended up liking J.R. Fitzpatrick, who was his teammate and ended up beating him for the championship in 04 after he had four straight championships. So that was my list. I mean, I, I wonder if anybody listens, go and tell us what your list would be. But uh, hit us up on at Pod. hit us up on our socials, hit us up on YouTube, because um, it's an interesting thing to go down the rabbit hole. Josh went very cup heavy um i try to dig into the combination of cup xfinity trucks and kind of give credit to some of the other series that don't get the kind of uh, attention that they really should and also giving consideration to who's on the ballot uh for the hall of fame relative to the people that weren't on the list already so um yeah so let's uh move forward with the uh, roundup here, um, Heineke gets knocked down there on that play. Uh, the Auto Club Finals at Pomona uh, this past weekend uh, saw Austin Proc win in top fuel, Cruz Pentagon in funny car, Greg Anderson in pro stock in the last race for Ken Black as an owner. I think Rick Hendrick's taking over the team, supposedly. Angie Smith wins in Pro Stock Motorcycle while her husband ties um, legends Dave Schultz and Andrew Hines, becoming six-time Pro Stock Motorcycle champion there. Uh, Taylor Vetter was flipped over and did a Ross Chastain on the wall, which is funny. Grid Talk, we brought that up. One of the guys on the show was like, oh, do you did you see when Ross Chastain did that thing? And I'm like, we what, talked you mean about that? it. Yeah, well, we talked about it. But I know that. It, but it's like, oh, you, you, and I said, oh, you mean the Hail Melon? And they lost it, and like the Hail Melon. And then I told them that Ross Chastain is a seventh generation watermelon farmer, and they couldn't believe it. That was part of the fun. <laughs> oh, it's so great. You understand that's the, that one moment is that trends across the world is Ross Chastain riding, going, and Tony Hawking the wall to get in the final four. And then his second move is sending Clyde, um, not even backing off and finishing second in the championship. Um, you know, I mean, Hamlin's never going to do anything to him. Clyde's never going to do anything to him. So it's whatever. Uh, but yeah, that was funny. You brought up that stuff, but, uh, in terms of detailed results, Austin Proc beats, uh, Jersey Zantron Brown. In the final, Austin Proc runs uh, 364 with the one at 336.23 miles an hour over the losing 370, the one 320.74. Um, reaction time was close, uh, 60 foot. He was 
Brown was giving up 12,000, and then it got worse as it went along. Um, Austin Brock had a rocket this uh, weekend. Uh, he's a he's a guy that has a real chance to become uh, a champion here. Brittany Force, the her his teammate, uh, lost, but he beat Brittany Force in the fi- semifinal. Um, even though she ran three thirty seven point five eight, had a faster speed, she had a slower elapsed time. Um, Austin Proc beat her with uh, a better overall run in the semifinal, and um, but. Brittany Force is now a two-time top fuel champion. So big, big weekend for John Force Racing on the top fuel side. Not so much on the funny car side. Uh, Ron Caps uh, lost to Cruz Pentagon in the final. Cruz Pentagon had a huge weekend, ran some great runs, great speeds. Uh, this weekend beat John Force in the second round, no less. And then uh, beat Ron Caps, who ended up winning the championship, coming back, coming from behind to beat Robert Height and uh, Matt Hagen. Matt Hagen ended up losing in round one. Robert Height lost in round two, and that opened the door for Ron Caps to end up getting a second consecutive Funny Car title. Um, wins, wins. The U.S. Nationals finally gets another championship, his third championship in his career. So great time for him. Uh, Enders had already won the Pro Stock title, uh, made the semi, made the finals, and lost on a whole shot to um, Greg Anderson. I mean, he had a had a faster speed. Elapsed time was a thousand slower, but he beat her on the tree. So there is an irony in that. Fernando Quadra actually made the semifinals, um, beat his brother in the process. So, or no, beat his son in the process, and then red lit in the semifinals. Um, Enders beat her teammate Aaron Stanfield there. So Eric Enders and Bo Butner have a new sponsor going into next year. Uh, Camry Caruso won rookie the Road to the Future award, so credit to them. Greg Anderson, Ken Black is getting out of the sport. It sounds like Rick Hendrick might be buying that team, so we'll see what uh, what the former KB Racing team looks like uh, because they have their, what is it, Greg Anderson, Mason McGahey, and, um, or not Mason McGahey, I mean, Greg Anderson... And uh, we're at Kyle Koretsky and Dallas Glenn. Those are the three drivers that are part of the the um, KB organization. So we'll see what happens with that in Pro Stock Motorcycle. Uh, Angie Smith beats Joey Gladstone. Uh, he had a faster lapse time, but she had a better reaction time to go and get a victory there. Gladstone beats her husband, Matt Smith, but Matt Smith becomes a two-time uh, or six-time champion in the series, tying the legendary Dave Schultz and uh, Matt Hines as six-time champions in the Pro Stock Motorcycle category. And then ProMod actually ran, did they? No, they didn't. Okay. So, yeah, that's NHRA. There's a lot of stuff. We'll probably get into some news as the offseason goes on 
Um, there's, I already talked about the pro stock motorcycle, but they're mentioning things that are going to be coming up. So we'll have stuff to talk about six hour or eight hours of Bahrain saw the number seven Toyota, Mike Conway, Kamui Kobayashi and Jose Maria Lopez get the victory, but their teammate, uh, Sebastian Buemi, Brendan Hartley and Rio Hirakawa, uh, who finished second in the race won the world championship by five points over the Alpine team of Negrau, Lapierre, and Vaxvier. Vaxvier, the Peugeot uh, 94 finished uh, fourth um, overall. And then um, in terms of the, uh, I brought up the standings. So for LMP2, Jota Sport won uh, by 21 points. GTM, TF Sport won. Hypercar was Toyota. Hypercar win for Toyota. Cupper GT Manufacturers. Ferrari gets the victory. Um, in terms of LMP2 drivers, Roberto Gonzalez, Antonio Felix da Costa, and Will Stevens, who ended up uh, finishing seventh overall and uh, a lap behind the winning team of Sean Galeal, Robin Fryens, Rene Rast. Uh, Robin French on Galil finished second in the drivers championship for LMP2 in GTM. Ben Keating and Marco Sorensen get the championship there over Paul Dallana, David Petard, Nikki team. Ben Keating, of course, is going to be driving a Corvette next year in the uh, WEC, the uh, GTD pro uh, championship. Goes to Ferrari, Alex, Alessandro Perguidi, James Collado get the win by three points over Michael Christensen, Kevin Estra, Miguel Molina, Antonio Fuco finished third um, in regards to the, as we're going through LMP2. So yeah, Miguel Molina and Antonio Fuco won the race uh, this past weekend, the Ferrari over by a lap over Tommy Milner and Nick Tandy. Michael Christensen and Kevin Estra finished third in class. Uh, Paraguidi and Collado finished fifth in class, but it was still enough for them to go and get the job done. Uh, oh, look, Gunnar Gunner Jeanette was racing in, in the race. That's interesting. Um, yeah, so I bet you the podium is top three, and um, those were the champions. Uh, in regards to the uh, test, Jose Maria Lopez was um, the led the test there at Bahrain, the postseason test for Toyotas. Um, what is it called there? You had PK Jr. Nelson PK Jr. running an LMP2. Um, the Peugeot ran all right. There, Maximilian Gunther was in the Peugeot. He's running uh, Formula E for um, Maserati. Jan Erlocker was in the Peugeot. There's, they were testing a bunch of people. Um, and then i for a role. Who is that? I don't even know who that. Lilo. Oh, so it's a, oh, look at that. Now, so a female driver, Lilo Wadu, drove the Toyota Hypercar. Uh, fifth among drivers ran during morning session. PK Junior race for Anglo American for for United Autosports. Antonio Fuqua for Ferrari. Turn uh, okay. 
And then Ollie Caldwell, Marcus Armstrong, F2 drivers. They got to test the Richard Meal car. Ben Keating to drive Corvette. As Porsche, Michael Peterson. All right, so that's that. I mean, a lot to come in regards to um, that. The WEC with a lot of the new additions coming into the um, the new convergence with the LMDH and the hypercar category in in uh, World Superbikes. What's Alvaro Bautista becomes a world champion again, this time in World Superbikes after a solid weekend at Mandalika, uh, which saw him just kind of follow Toprak Rat- Raskat Lioku. Uh, Toprak Raskat Lioku, the defending world champion, won race one over Bautista. Johnny Ray um, was a podium. Garrett Gerloff finished seventh in the first race and then yeah so you don't have to go through that super pole race rascat lioku over ray locatelli bautista was fourth um Gerloff was 13th and then in race two toprak rascat lioku wins over alvaro bautista by 1.23 seconds johnny ray was 2.825 seconds overall behind the Defending world champion Gerloff gets an eighth place finish in race two. The points with one race to go, of course, the championship is done. Uh, Alvaro Bautista is the uh, world superbike champion. Uh, 50 Ducati is nearly is 49 points ahead of Yamaha right now. Uh, so it's still in a play. So We'll see what happens. Constructors is still in play to a point, but um, the riders, the world championship for riders is not. Um, Raskat Lioku is 37 points out of Johnny Ray for second. Michael Ruben Rinaldi seems to be pretty solid in fourth. Andrea Locatelli is only 11 points out of Alex Lowe's, 15 points out of Axel Bassani. So that's something to look at. Um, as it stands, I think, yeah, Scott Redding, Iker Lacuona. I think Iker Lacuona is missing the last race there. But um, Javi Vieje is 10th in points, and Garrett Gerloff is 25 points behind. In 11th, uh, 17 points ahead of Loris Baz in 12th. So we'll see what happens. They'll be at Phillip Island this weekend to wrap up their season. So that's um, credit to Bautista and the Ducati team there to go and uh, get the job done. In the WRC, the results of Rally Japan uh, saw Thierry Neuville get the victory. Um, Thierry Neuville over Otanek. So Hyundai won two. Takamoto Katsuda for Toyota finishes third. Sebastian Ogier fourth. Efren Evans, Elfren Evans finishes fifth. The first Ford, uh, Gus Greensmith finishes sixth. So that was the um, championship there. Uh, championship drivers there. Um, RC2. So Cali Rovampera, the world champion, uh, finished 12th overall. American Sean Johnston in a rally to Citroen finished 13th overall. So interesting there. Um, I'm going to scroll through some of these other people. And then 
The standings to end this year's World Rally Championship. Cali Rovampera wins the championship by 50 points. Atanek is, as it stands right now, doesn't have a job. Uh, So we don't know where he's going to go. He's not going to Ford because they may not have the funding. Toyota's already got drivers, so interesting uh, dynamic there. Thierry Neuville finishes third. Elfren Evans fourth. Katsuda fifth. Ogier in a limited schedule uh, finishes sixth. The multi-time world champion along with, of course, Sebastian, the other Sebastian, Sebastian Loeb, uh, finished 11th in his... He only scored points in two races. He won Rally Monte Carlo and then finished eighth um, in one round there of the championship. Uh, Last thing we'll go over before we get into NFL is F2. A lot going on in F2. Um, The drivers, of course, the top five or six in Formula 2 will have enough. uh, The top five will definitely have enough points to advance that became a thing of course with uh, uh colton herda and the like uh, right now of course drogovich is a test driver test and reserve for aston martin and um i don't think he's doing anything else teo pocher we don't know what he's going to be doing but it looks like more than likely he's going to finish second in the uh championship the real battle uh, starts with Logan Sargent, who is third and has been announced as a driver for Williams, pending his results here this weekend at Abu Dhabi. Jack Dewin, Jahan Daruvla, Enzo Fittipaldi are all nine points behind him. Daruvla is part of the Red Bull Academy. Enzo Fittipaldi just joined the Red Bull Academy. Liam Lawson, I think, is still a part of it, and he's um, a further... Three points back behind that, so he is um, 12 points back. Uh, Frederick Vesti, 18. Awasa, um, 21. Yuri Vips, 25. Um, and so, I mean, the reality is there is the possibility of real fluctua- fluctuation going on. I mean, there's been... Sargent has not been the most consistent driver by any stretch of imagination, uh, his last, he went on a run in the summer between Baku, Silverstone, and Spiel, and then Austria. Since then, 3, 4, 14, 15, 20 points since then amongst the following 10 rounds of the championship. So it's not, um, that's part of the reason why it's still a race. Um, I honestly believe they're going to put every all energy to make sure that he gets the the points necessary to advance um, into Formula One. I hope so. I mean, Drogovic, it's a victory lap. Pocher, I don't know what he's really racing for, honestly, but um, Duin is racing for something because he's part of Alpine's academy. Daruvalo is racing for his career, to be fair, because now Enzo Fittipaldi is part of Red Bull Academy, and he's been solid um, recently. Lawson uh, has had a couple of rough rounds, but uh, has had some good races. Otherwise, uh, Vesti had a good uh, performance at Imola back in September. Uh, Iwasu, I talked about in regards to his potential uh, um, has had some great rounds 
earlier in the season of the French Grand Prix, Hungarian Grand Prix, and also Zanfort. All of those kind of showed his potential. So we'll see what happens with that and who ends up um, moving up, uh, having enough points to move up to um, the um, f- to be able to move up to Formula One. Uh, looks like there was a score there. Pick. Yeah, Devonte Smith got a touchdown earlier, um, and then C.J. Gardner Johnson just C.J. Gardner Johnson picked off the jump ball to Terry McLaurin. Oh boy! So it's twenty three twenty one Washington. Uh, it's a huge turnover there. That could have if he gets that and yeah. they're driving, they might have had a chance um, to put this game away. Yeah, um, cover two defense there. So I mean, what is it called? I'm trying to say they don't list who's already eligible, but I already had the like I found out super license. So essentially, in F two, if you finish in the top three, no matter what, you're gonna get forty points. Um, you know, and then if you finish in the top five, along with your three year um, total. Uh, you should be able the last three years with the eighty percent, whatever, um, which Logan Sargent has because of his uh, results a couple of years ago in Formula Three. Um, even with his results from last year, uh, he's um, in play. If he can finish in the top five in the championship, he's fine. Uh, I kind of find some of the the way they don't they don't give enough weight to they give weight to other championships that really are not as tough. Like IMSA should be at the same level as uh, Super Formula or LMP2, honestly, or because they're in the same level as LMP2 and GT500. Um, DTM, not so much, I don't know, whatever. Supercars and Cup, Indy Lights. I mean, W Series is a joke, and it's got the same weight as Indy Lights, Cup, and Supercars. So it tells you the bias that they have there. Um, Xfinity gets super license points. So, uh, Keebler has 10 super license points. Um, and whatever the top four from this past year have super license points. So that's interesting. Um, all right. So I'm going to give you the form, Josh, to go off on your Jaguars and your fantasy team. Uh, I'm trying to go and bring up the updated, Stand points right now. Um, oh wow! So actually, uh, Steve has actually passed uh, Wilson to win the week. Um, Joe is going to be the lucky loser. I'm going to lose again to Professor J, uh, which is awesome. Um, Jeff is still in a battle with Manny. He needs. He needs help. He's on. He's eleven points behind Manny right now. So this could be a big upset. Um, Wilson could end up taking a um, one-game lead here. Um, I gave him as a run. I think that's about the only team that's really given him a run in uh, recent uh, recent weeks. But um, yeah, let us know what you're thinking in regards to what the Jaguars did. Um, in their play for, I don't know who they're going to get in the draft because I think they're going to be movers in their draft because they're going to be people that want to get a draft pick to pick a quarterback. So um, 
I think they do have a quarterback. Um, they do have other pieces there, but not really working out so well this year. And uh, Doug Peterson's first year at the helm uh, of the Jaguars. Yeah, I mean for you know for the Jags, it's uh, been a tough season, three and seven. Um, they've been competitive in every game, and you know they've had the lead. This is the first game that they did not have the lead, and I think overall, and um, you know they've had the lead in every other game at some point. So I mean it's pretty good, I guess, but they just haven't figured out how to win, and um, you know that's that's the thing is that they've um, been the margin of error has been pretty thin, and you know they've been uh making mistakes and costing games in one way or another and that's how they have seven losses um so yeah i mean um they probably need another year but you know my problem my problem with that is the fact that you never know what's going to happen in uh, next year it's never a given and also what you project for next year might not always work out and you know team other teams will adapt and make changes and everything so that's my that's my um you know i guess criticism of that and um you know when people say well you know they'll 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 be there next year i mean you can project that for some players like you know trevor lawrence or the wide receivers or you know something like that but you know as far as like a uh you know overall team it's hard to project that and um um you know and that's that's why i don't really like the term or you know the talk of um you know playing for the future because ultimately you have to play for now um with respect to the future of it, you know, um, I didn't really like how uh, the broadcast was talking about that they'll be a good team in a year or so, because um, they definitely had chances to win here on Sunday. Um, you know, started off the game with the onside kick, which uh, was pretty good decision and the right decision, uh, but then they couldn't they couldn't convert on third down. They had an early drop by Christian Kirk, which um, might have not been the best pass by Trevor, but at the same time. Uh, Got to haul that one in. You're at the ten yard line, off coming off of an onside kick. Um, so you know you got to make those opportunities, uh, and you know it's uh, something something that you need to, uh, um, you know you need to be able to to take take advantage of. Um, and you know I feel like in some situations the play calling was still suspect, and but it wasn't as bad as you know before. Defensively, I think is the biggest question because um, they didn't really affect the Kansas city chiefs really on defense. Um, yeah, they forced three turnovers, but they couldn't really, um, pressure Patrick Mahomes really into any mistakes. Um, it was, uh, just a result of their skill players or, uh, return men fumbling the ball. Uh, I mean, Patrick Mahomes threw an interception, but, uh, you know, he, uh, he didn't really, um, get pressured or anything or get affected. Uh, so that's a question mark there. Uh, I mean, it wasn't really that bad a game. They just got, you know, outscored really by by the Kansas City Chiefs. So I can't really complain too much. But um, they, uh, once again, they missed opportunities, and also, yeah, they they missed a field goal in the first half, uh, and then in the second half, or in the first, yeah, the first quarter they missed a field goal in the second half, right before second quarter, excuse me, right before the half they missed a field goal again uh, after forcing a fumble. And then you know when you have turnovers, you have to take advantage. And how they only got like um, seven points or three points after uh, off of three turnover turnovers is not good. And um, you know they they've got to be able to 
take advantage of opportunities and everything. So uh, seven games lost now and three wins. Uh, we'll see if they can contain Lamar Jackson and somehow pull off a win at home in two weeks. They got a bye week, so don't have to talk about him next week. Uh, we'll just talk about the fantasy team. So, I mean, not not too, nothing too much to complain about. I mean, I think you know, Trevor uh, did pretty well um, and starting to come into his own. So um, I, I think uh, – Maybe the next couple of weeks uh, we'll really see Trevor Lawrence uh, really play good, continue the uh, trend he's been in the last couple of weeks of playing playing really good football. Uh, fantasy team was all right, but uh, you know made made some decisions on who to start. You know I picked up Tyler Higby, which I think was the right call. Uh, I had him earlier in the year and I dropped him for some reason, uh, and now I have him again. So uh, good call there. Probably probably could have faded David Mont. Uh, Montgomery and put in uh, Najee Harris back in the lineup. Uh, could have swapped out Debo for De- DeAndre Carter. Uh, that was a good pickup, and I think I'm gonna hold on to him as long as uh, the Chargers still have issues at wide receiver. You know, depth uh, with you know Keenan Allen having been out and uh, Mike Williams being out. So that's a missed opportunity there to start him. But uh, you know, I always go with the proven players over the unproven players and um you know and according to their matchups and everything so uh yeah i mean it was okay uh on the fantasy side this week i just you know needed more from it um jonathan allen so far uh only has three points uh it's hard hard to really get points from a defensive tackle position really you need a defensive end or defensive lineman um that can uh get points uh DT is a little bit harder to get production from in fantasy, so probably need to find another DM. Sacks is what yeah, has to sacks. happen. And I, yeah. I've been streaming them, and I'll get into it. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think that's the strategy there. So, well, we'll drop the 5-5 five and five on the year. Uh, I mean, looking at the scores, you know, it looks like uh, um, it's going to be a, a stranglehold uh, on – fourth fifth and sixth is going to be a, a hodgepodge of uh mediocre fantasy teams or you know uh teams that um can't get out of their own way so uh you know it's it's going to be interesting from here on out to try to get into fourth spot i think it's pretty clear you know unless i can turn things around it's going to be just a fight to try to get to to get to fourth place uh for the fantasy playoffs so um got a couple of more weeks to do that so um gotta gotta start um having more consistency there but uh yeah we'll just keep on going throughout the next couple of weeks uh here and see see how we can how we can do there but uh i mean overall my skill players i felt you know did pretty well uh but you know just uh came up short in some areas but you know um it is it is what it is so we'll we'll take the l more than likely unless something happens here in that last couple of minutes in this game and uh monday night football and, and uh you know move forward but you know it's uh been been a pretty interesting season definitely a very you know very challenging one yeah i'm adjusting the the chart in our um for our fantasy because i keep oh man that was almost an interception or no that was a pick or it was a that was a catch i just i thought it was okay um still a two-point game washington trying to do the upset 11 point dog in this game on a third third and 13 taylor heineke oh boy that's not good you better get rid of that ball he threw it out of bounds okay yeah yeah they're gonna lose the game but um i'm gonna be a lucky loser more than likely uh 
Steve looks like he's going to win for what is it? The was it one, two, third week this year? Wilson has won how many? I mean, he's won with three different team names. One, two, three. Yeah, so he's won. Uh, yeah, one, two, three, four. He's won four times this year. Steve's won three times this year. Joe, Joey has won twice. Um, yeah, so there's only four guys that have won high points. Wilson's got the best team, obviously. Um, Jeff is going to end up taking a double. He's going to be tied with, uh, oh, wow, that's a field goal. That's huge. Um, whoever that, whoever their kicker is, is really effing good. Um, 26, 21 there. I mean, my fantasy team, I'm going to end up losing to professor J again. Um, tight matchup needed more productivity out of Greg Dulcich. I mean, you brought up Tyler Higby. I dropped him because he sucked. And then of course I drop everybody. I drop ends up playing better for other people. Um, Cameron Hayward shit the bed, uh, for me, Eddie Jackson has been terrible uh the last two weeks and three out of the last four and to be fair uh he's been bad for most of the time i've had him and i probably should have dropped him but um you know professor jay's idps ended up 31 was it 30 was it 47 points right now i only have 29 points so 40 so that's 18 points right now i'm down by 12 so and he has terry mclaurin who has 128 yards on eight receptions and a solo tackle so because of an interception so brian robinson has 23 rushes for 79 yards and a touchdown so he's had a good game he's done his part um i needed i needed a miracle Dulcich didn't do anything. My IDPs didn't do anything. My quarterbacks, basically it was an even game. He didn't even have a player in one of his flex spots. So I'm going to fall to four and six. Um, more than, uh, pretty, pretty high likelihood I'm falling to four and six here. Um, you know, Josh is going to fall to five and five. I'm going to drop to seven. So I'm going to fall out of playoff position Vic, who had a nightmare start to the year, is now back in the race. There'll be a four-way tie. Uh, yeah, Joey Sly, 55-yard field goal. So um, four-way tie for the last playoff spot. Um, Wilson ends up going and getting another victory. He'd be a game ahead of uh, Jeff and Professor Jay, both be at 7-3. and three. Wilson 8-2. and two. Um, Joe and Josh should be at five and five as of now. I mean, things, I mean, Jeff could still win. He's, uh, what is it? Five. He's essentially like six points behind and he has four players. So, um, there's a pretty high likelihood there. Um, Joe has lost, but, um, he has Taylor Heineke and Taylor Heineke is not really, he's, had one interception and a fumble lost, so that that'll do it. Um, C.J. Gardner Johnson has an interception and two pass deflections, so that doesn't help uh, Joe's cause. Um, he left a lot of points on the bench this week. Um, he'll probably be ruining that. Um, he would have had a better chance. Um, optimal lineup would have been um, 
even with his op well yeah so even with his optimal lineup he still would have lost actually with uh, heineke on the bench and mike evans so can't really say anything i mean uh that's because daryl yeah so and that's what the points right now so yeah, um, and Vic had so, uh, Aaron Rodgers on the bench, which I find surprising. And he had uh, J- Jacoby Brissett instead of uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, starting. Only lost five points that yeah. way. Um, he he got bailed out by Derwin James and yeah, Rashad Evans and the IDPs. Um, you got robbed on that side. I mean, David Montgomery, I'm debating cutting him on my other team. Gino didn't have his best game by any means. Derrick Henry had a, you know, mad game. Uh, Higby actually had a good one. I mean, now with with Cooper Cup hurt, it's going to be a problem for them. Uh, Rondale Moore had a good game, so that's a good look. I mean, the Raiders are a disaster, but they're going to throw the ball a lot. Um, So... It's interesting to see what happens there. Niners won yesterday. It wasn't pretty, but they won. Uh, McCaffrey gets a touchdown, but doesn't have as many carries as Elijah Mitchell, who um, returned from in from the IR. Uh, some of the play calling in the red zone was questionable or borderline terrible. Uh, Mike McGlinchey in the red zone makes a terrible decision um, in blocking and costs a touchdown um people are defending him but he's a turnstile um i mean jimmy didn't even throw a touchdown but when he doesn't throw a touchdown they win more games than when he does which is ridiculous what is the point of him being a quarterback then at that point he should just be a fucking male model if in if if he's not going to go and throw touchdowns what's the point of having him as a quarterback you can have chase purdy not throw any touchdowns but i mean really it's it's whatever I don't know. We'll see what happens next Monday night. I'll be a little more fired up because the Niners will be playing against the Arizona Cardinals in Mexico City um, after Pato Award runs FP1 for McLaren at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Uh, my fantasy team's uh, been a bad week. Uh, Going to lose all three matchups that I'm in, so... Um, in bad shape in two of my leagues. I, I'm a game out of the playoffs in two of them. Uh, in a good spot in one of them, but you know, taking a loss had a lot of people on by this week. I think it was part of the reason why um, a tough bye week. But we'll see what happens next week. We'll see what happens with the Niners as well. So let's get into the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Uh, you know, Sebastian Vettel, his last race of his career um you know 299 races once he starts on sunday uh you know it's it's pretty um crazy to think that sebastian vettel is retiring 53 worlds uh 57 poles 122 podiums i mean this year is the first time this year will be the first year since um 2007 when he made his debut in formula one that he didn't get a podium which is um interesting um i mean since he's moved over to aston martin he um has not had a lot of success of course because of i mean he got covid so or no in 2020 was a disaster year anyway it was a complete throwaway of a season 
in 2020. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was a really bad year. And then um, he joined um, Aston Martin in in 2021, but he wasn't able to run every race uh, because of uh, the COVID. So, I mean, so that's a crazy thing. But, you know, he 53 wins in in Formula One, uh, you know, average finish of seven, which is amazing. Uh, three over three thousand points, led thirty five hundred laps. Um, you know, won four consecutive world championships. Finished second another three times. On top of that, I mean, is uh, one of the greatest drivers ever, man. And um, he's gonna be missed because I think he learned. He had some rough edges for sure in his earlier days. And he had a lot of similarities to what, you know, fish lips is now, but what the difference is, he kind of woke up and said, you know what, I want to be a better person. I'm going to become a better person. And, um, and the reality is he became that and, um, he's, he's got, who knows what he's going to do. I kind of, I'm kind of thinking he's going to end up owning an extreme E team or a formula E team, uh, because they're not what the hell um i i think i think he's got bigger plans in general which is great and it speaks to what kind of man he is um at age 35 and what he brings to the table i i don't think he's done with racing as of yeah i mean he's going to take a break i don't think he's going away um he might i think he's gonna be a team principal he's gonna own a team in some sort of fashion in one of these formulas that's more about sustainability. So whether it's Formula E, Extreme E, one of these other things are coming around. I think he's going to have his hands in that. Um, DTM is trying to go to an all, you know, like, you know, biofuel or electric formula. So that might be a way for him. But um, Vettel, uh what is a fourth all time and wins uh all time and uh you know that's in terms of the wins and all that and four world championships in a row but we're gonna miss them out on the grid before we make our picks for uh this abu dhabi grand prix yeah i mean he's definitely made an impact for sure and you know he um was one of the best drivers in Formula one for you know, long time and, you know, won four, four championships in a row at Red Bull. Uh, actually, yeah, yeah, four championships in a row there from 2010 through 2013. And, um, you know, he uh, was a really good driver during that era and also finished second in 2009. So um, that was a pretty dominant era for uh, Red Bull racing. And they, you know, haven't been that dominant really as a, you know, as a team until now with uh, Verstappen. It seems like now they're finally beginning to reclaim uh you know that dominance uh you know from that era so uh yeah it's uh he's gonna be missed for sure and you know he was definitely one of the you know one of the best drivers uh that we've seen ever in formula one and you know during his second part of his career with you know with ferrari uh you know as a pretty good challenger to lewis hamilton uh for a couple of years and um you know he had had opportunities in you know 2017 and 2018 to possibly uh you know 
take it really take it uh the fight to Lewis, but uh you know, Lewis ended up out you know, outclassing him in both of those years. Uh but you know, he's been you know, he's been one of the drivers who's been also been critical of the series when when he needed to be and um, you know, um I think uh, one of his quotes that I remember uh, from him is like, honestly, what are we doing here? And uh, that's, that's, uh, I think what you can say about a lot of the Formula One races and uh, things uh, in, in racing in general. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's got a good legacy in racing and, you know, also uh, he'll uh, be a guy that I think will be very active in racing post-career. And then also you know, he's trying to be an activist and I'm sure he'll try to um, continue to, be very uh you know very active in uh, i guess climate change and other things uh um you know for whatever it's worth and um you know he's uh somebody that's gonna try to you know i could see him you know doing you know extreme or formally or something like that to like as a in some kind of involvement there uh you know to um continue to you know push for change and things so we we could see him in there but yeah definitely be missed uh 299 races and everything so uh kind of kind of wish it would be a 300 uh you know career race just to make it an even number but a can't always you know it's uh not really a, that significant but you know um still uh what a you know what a great uh career in formula one for sure he's a legend third all-time winningest driver in Formula One behind Lewis Hamilton, Michael Schumacher, who was his mentor. And of course, um, you know, Sebastian Vettel has been a mentor to Mick, who um, will be making his last start, at least for now, in Formula One this weekend at Abu Dhabi. So with that, um, I was looking at the drivers right now. So then after this weekend, Lewis would be active and then Right now, Verstappen, uh, seven wins away from Senna, um, 17 away from Prost, and 19 away from Vettel. That's his basically his target. Alonso has not won a Formula One race uh, since the 2013 Spanish Grand Prix, and um, he's been involved in Formula One in, you know, on and off since 2013. 13 till now um, for three years. Of course, he took away for WEC and other shit he did. But um, yeah, and that's really what it is right now. In terms of active racing, active drivers, Botas is in a back f- back of the field car. Ricardo is going to be taking a break from Formula One, uh, becoming the test driver for Red Bull more than likely, it seems like. Um, in terms of, yeah, other drivers that are active, Leclerc has five wins, Perez has four, and then, um, yeah, Gasly, Ocon, Sainz, and Russell all have one. So, yeah, there aren't anybody, there really ain't anybody on the grid that has wins outside of, uh, Lewis that can compete other than Lewis and, uh, Fishlips. Um, in that case, I mean, in regards to what I think is going to happen here, at Abu Dhabi, I said it. I figure, I figure, uh, Verstappen gets another win, and then uh, Mercedes is up there. Um, I, I'll say George Russell, so I'll say Verstappen, Russell, and then Ferrari will be up there, but I think it'll be Carlos Sainz, the, the driver that'll get second in the driver's championship, 
will be Sergio Perez finishing fourth, um, and uh, Charles Leclerc will finish fifth. So I'm going to go and put that in there. So F1, uh, so F1, uh, Boo, Dobby, GP. So I guess we forgot to put the picks for last week. Um, yeah, well, we, we both just said Verstappen. Yeah, we both said Verstappen. That's what it was. So Abu Dhabi Grand Prix MV to win. Um, I said Russell second, um, Signs third, which could um, actually give Signs uh, fifth in the world championship based on what I'm saying. Um, Perez fourth. That's not what I want, believe me. Um or for for signs to go and take over Hamilton, and then um, Leclerc, Leclerc uh, fifth. Um, that's Phil. Yeah, so that's my picks uh, for this weekend. I would say the wild card would be Sebastian Vettel, um, and then while Phil's wild card is Seb Vettel because it's his last race. He doesn't give a fuck. So. How about you, Josh? Yeah, for me, I you know I'm I'm gonna go um, Lewis Hamilton Mercedes uh, winning the final race. He hasn't won a race this year, and um, I think you know it's important that Lewis doesn't go winless in his career. Uh, and Mercedes, you know, they've been developing their car so far. You know, they've continued to develop it, and um, they showed a lot of speed last weekend in uh, Brazil. And I think they can continue that. Uh, that pace and Abu Dhabi to finish the year, kind of a you know last laugh of the year, last you know last gasp, and I think uh, uh, you know Lewis has the capability to do it. Uh, I think second goes to uh, you know I'm going to say that second goes to uh, Verstappen, uh, but third goes to uh, George Russell, and then you know I say that. Uh, Perez, Perez finishes. I'll, I'll just say Perez finishes fourth, and Leclerc finishes in fifth, like like you said uh, there. Um, so that Perez gets second in the title, um, and then you know wild card. Uh, I'll go with uh, Fred, uh, Fernando Alonso. Um, just uh, why not? Uh, he's been he's been one of those guys that like just random. Like he's in ninth place in the standings right now. But he just somehow just randomly grabs like these uh, fifth, sixth, seventh place results throughout the year, um, and I feel like I feel like he's actually like him and his teammate Ocon. They've both uh, I feel like they've just gotten like gotten a lot of speed out of out of this car uh, or yeah, out of their their team and Alpine. I feel like they both made made their uh, you know their cars faster than what you know than what. I guess they have, you know, are capable of. So I think they've, you know, done a good, real good job this season uh, for both of them. And for now, of course, leaving an Esteban uh, going to have a new teammate in uh, Pierre Gasly in, in 2023. So it uh, should be interesting uh, this weekend, final race of the year, major, you know, final major race of the year. So, uh, you know, looking forward to watching and, um, you know, at least, at least this one will be an early one. So, you know, going to be like one of those early races you can just get up and watch, um, rather kind of, and, you know, 
friendly to our British friends and everything that actually be able to watch it on a normal time. Because, of course, the last couple of weeks have been on the American uh, timeline, and you know it's a bit later for them and everything, so a little bit easier on them as well. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I think is going to happen. You know, looking forward to seeing what we you know what we're going to see this weekend here, the last race of the Formula One season. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that, and uh, uh, we'll be back for episode 145 prior to yeah prior to Thanksgiving. It's crazy. Uh, prior to Thanksgiving, uh, we'll uh, be talking football. We'll be talking F1. Uh, other than that, I'm not really sure. It's a good question. What else is on the schedule? Um, yeah, Abu Dhabi for F F1, F2, and then World Superbikes. And then the following week is um, is Extreme for their finale in Punta del Este. Um, Jetta for World Touring Car. So I'm assuming that sh- they're running World Touring Cars at that shithole in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and then December, the following week is Supercars at Adelaide. So, And nothing much in regards. We'll go over the Formula 1 then we'll get into Formula 2 World Superbikes to finish the season. There will be a little bit in the roundup. Then we'll have roundup the following week. Um, so we'll go from there. Uh, we'll see what happens in Formula 1. In terms of uh, the driver test, we'll get into that a little more. Um, Oscar Piastri will debut for McLaren. Alonso will be a young driver yet again for Aston Martin. Um Hopefully, Logan Sargent will make his debut for um, Williams and then um, Hulkenberg for Haas. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's... And then Pierre Gasly will also get to drive for Alpine um, for the first time. Is that a... Oh, oh that's a touchdown. That's going to mess the lineup. Is that... Is it going to mess up the line? Is that a pick? Oh, that messes the lineup. They went over the line. It's thirty-two to twenty-one. They beat the line. Oh boy! Oh wow! Um, Eagles and and so not only so not only did the Eagles find lose for the first time, uh, the people that pick Washington at plus eleven just got screwed because of that play. So that's going to be on Scott Van Pelt's bad beats here <laughs> in in a few yeah. minutes' time on Sports Center. So Philadelphia is undefeated. Washington. They're, now they're is, no longer undefeated. Yeah, yeah. Philadelphia is now eight and one, and Washington, I think, has went past the Forty ers <laughs> to become the last playoff seed. With Taylor effing Heineke, what a performance! You called it earlier. We do this show long enough. You said you had more more um, hope in them than I thought, and yeah, they, I, I just don't like the Eagles, so. I mean, I don't. I don't really like any of the NFC East. Uh, I kind of like Washington a little bit, as far as like NF. I guess if I were to pick a team in the NFC East, like you know, the, I mean, they're they're the division that boomers like, you know. But yeah. um, overall, but I don't know. I always feel like Washington's kind of like the underdog in that um, in that ser- in that division. And I guess it helps that Junior's a fan of the Redskins, so or the Commanders. You know, I'm he's saying you know. 
that's been their name yeah. for a long time and everything. Makes sense, yeah. But uh, the Commanders, yeah, they they've been um, you know Junior's team for his whole life, and I guess I can have a reason to like the if I wanted to like the the Commanders, but uh, yeah, I mean it's what you know it's fine, but um, yeah, uh, I mean this is probably one of the games where you wish you had it. Uh, team defense rather than IDPs because the Washington defense uh, they they had a good a good game uh, overall and um, return touchdown that that's just a you know adds you know if if you had a team defense uh, along with the sacks and the interceptions and the forced fumbles that's that's probably like a twenty point game I'd say out out of a, a team defense um, you know and if you if we did that instead of IDPs but um, yeah, just uh, that's a pretty interesting game there. Uh, yeah, I, and, I was looking at my other yeah. league. I got my ass kicked. And I was seeing if anybody actually played Washington's defense, and nobody did. Yeah, which is interesting. So your so league is to, is IDP or team defense rather than team IDPs. D, It's standard, straight yeah. up standard. Yeah. So I have to go and look it up out of curiosity. Um, you can keep going because yeah, your I mean time. it's a sim segment, anyways. Yeah. yeah, may as well do that part, but. Yeah, sim racing this week um, did uh, Talladega with the 87 car uh, and actually won one of them, uh, which is on my stream. So um, it, that one was kind of a bit of a wreck fest, uh, kind of kind of just hung out in the back and, um, you know, tried to drive my way up towards the front and just missed all the wrecks. And then, you know, by the end, uh, you know, was just drafting along, uh, trying to stay, push the guy out in front to the lead and then. I was the only Ford out in front and everybody else was a Buick or a Chevy and uh I uh had a lot more speed than them so I was able to just kind of push the leader and just you know push him way out in front and didn't really have any challenge from anybody else trying to draft up there. Uh there's a couple times where I got close but uh we had a last caution and I just came in and got tires and I uh, was able just to hold on to the lead and uh you know block when I needed to and uh, the last lap, last corner, like the guy had to run on the inside of me uh, in the trial, but he almost kind of got there and started to get a little loose trying to hold it down on the bottom, but he was able to hold on to the win and everything. So I uh, haven't won on iRacing in a bit and maybe since the Indy 500. So um, you know, it was good good to get a, a win there in Talladega, get one on stream. So that was good. Uh you know, ran ran a couple of other races on my own with no stream. Uh, ran you know pretty well, top five and everything. And actually, the one before the win, I wrecked a guy trying to pass for the win on the last lap. I had the inside line, and um, I tried. I just went to the bottom, and he blocked. And then I I uh, kept going down to the the flat, uh, and I was trying to hope that he I'd get there before the trial returned, and I didn't. And then I hooked him and spun him out uh and everything so my fault there i guess but you know in my mind in my mind you know it's 87 they didn't have the yellow line rule back then so you know that's that's what i was thinking they're trying to go for uh you know for the pass there but probably could have faked in the inside and gone back to the outside and gone three wide or something like that because there's another guy behind me as well or to the outside of me as well but yeah it's whatever still won another one later on uh and then i'd run I had run on Saturday night again uh, and ran, uh, tried to try to go for another win or at least another good finish and got wrecked uh, pretty early into it. Um, 
So, you know, that's sometimes that's how Talladega goes, but, you know, I was able to get one in there and get a win. Uh, and then I actually raced Talladega uh, with the IndyCar. They had the IndyCars at Talladega, and um, it's pretty interesting. You go 256 miles an hour in the draft, uh, and then you have to lift to get out of it because you cut, catch up uh, to the back of other cars uh, pretty quickly. So, um, you know, you get it, you kind of hang back a little bit and then, you know, you just get a super mega run. Like as you start to get closer and you're in top gear, uh, sixth gear, and then get up to 250, you know, 255. Uh, and then you have to, once you get up to right up to the gearbox, then you got to touch the brakes and everything. So, uh, ran well there too. I think finished fifth or sixth in that one, but it was, a uh, definitely a crazy race. And, um, you know, it was, interesting not a whole lot of room to pass and everything because uh, we're all kind of stacked up against each other uh not as it's it's a little bit harder to maneuver around in traffic because you know you can you can take a little bit of contact in nascar but you know an indy car you know can't really take that much or else you know you're going to pirouette into the air and everything uh so you know take taking a sixth there fifth there is not bad for for the field and uh for the track type and everything but that was pretty interesting run there uh did ferrari gt3 at road america a couple of times um finished all right there i think uh i had one in the podium and uh, another uh you know i'm not sure where i finished another one but i ran that one a couple of times too uh, and think i got a podium there but yeah that was that was good at road america always like that track as well so uh, this week uh well i'm trying to pull up the schedule here and it wants me to log in uh but yeah this week probably be on i racing a little bit too towards the end of the week more than likely over the weekend uh yeah i had a little bit more time this week uh since we had the hurricane again uh hurricane nicole uh this week in florida uh so had you know got some time off of work they uh sent us home uh you know so we you know wouldn't have to travel into work during during a storm although it wasn't even that that bad of a storm so um got got through that okay didn't lose power this time and everything so uh glad glad i i didn't lose power or anything uh last week uh during the storm so that's good uh this week on road or on uh i racing uh, another race at road america actually the uh hyundai yeah the hyundai elantra Honda Civic, uh, Honda Velocitor, Audi RS3 LMS at Road America should be interesting. Oh, it's the WTCR yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, got Cup at iRacing Super Speedway uh, should be interesting. Uh, IMSA at the Roval this week. Uh, let's see what else. What else? Uh, um, Road, yeah, another another series at Road America. I don't know if I have a car though for that one. Um, let's see what else. What else? Uh, yeah, that should be interesting. Um, NASCAR NASCAR series this week. Uh, Xfinity at Dover. I don't have Dover though. So let's see. Uh, Legend series eighty seven cars at Las Vegas. That should be interesting. Uh, IndyCar. Where's IndyCar at this week? IndyCar fixed oval at Nashville. That might be interesting. Open series at Indianapolis on the oval. Might do that one, maybe. I don't know. Uh, depending on how many cars are entered into that one. Uh, let's see. Road racing, otherwise. I already mentioned the Road America. Uh, Sakuba circuit, the um, 
Mustang and the the mixed series with the Mustang and the Mazda MX-5 at Sakuba Circuit. That's a fun small road course. Uh, should be interesting there. Uh, got the fixed uh, Sprint F- Formula One series at Indianapolis Road Course. Might be interesting. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of, uh, interesting choices here this week on iRacing, uh, the Indy Pro 2000s at Iowa Speedway. That might be an interesting one. Uh, yeah. So yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, always a lot of choices, uh, to go around, uh, in, uh, iRacing, a lot of different classes to compete in. So yeah, definitely have to go around and, and, you know, try, try all these races and everything and, uh, you know, uh, try, you know, try to win or get a good, uh, finish and, you know, just try to try to race. That's, you know, that's why we do it. That's why I do it just to have fun, get the feeling of racing and, um, you know, actually have a real racing car, or, you know, racing job, like, you know, all these other guys and you want to try to be like them, I guess, and just have, have fun. So, uh, that's what it's all about. So yeah, that's this week on iRacing and what we'll be planning to do. Um, I think, I guess the, Open Wheels 500 is this weekend. If people want to watch that, um, they'll be streamed on YouTube, I think. And um, I think on Race Pro or whatever, it's Race Spot TV. So go watch that if you're interested. Uh, yeah, I'm not entered this year, but I might tune in if I have time just to see. Uh, so uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. It should be an interesting race. Um, yeah, that's, um, yeah, I think that's all I got this week for sim racing. Um, yeah, of course, uh, close that show now. Start off with, you know, of course, you can follow my Twitter, JP Huffine. Go on there, see the takes I have on the Jags, Formula One, NASCAR, everything else. Uh, see, you know, what else I got to say on there and gather any information you uh, want off of my timeline uh, or interact with me or whatever. Um, follow the Twitch stream, Twitch TV slash Sailor 2 and go watch uh, how I did at Talladega this week and all my other highlights from throughout the year on there uh then of course go on the youtube channel and subscribe to our our page where we have the uh podcast in video form and go in there and watch or listen uh with the video in the background uh go in there and subscribe at ripshire podcasts on youtube and see you know see our stuff there so uh yeah of course uh always glad to do it with you this week um uh, closing out the year, and uh, you know, should be should be interesting the rest of the year in football and uh, closing out the year uh, in racing. So, yeah, it's been been a good season, and of course, uh, always glad to do it with you, man. Absolutely, brother. I'm I'm glad that we get to do this, and we got to go and we'll get a little different than what we usually do with that list. So, um, Philadelphia loses a game, so that's something. Uh, the Washington General Commander Redskins one against the Philadelphia Eagles. And now the Minnesota Vikings are tied for the number one seed in the NFC. So that's something to look at. It's been a topsy-turvy week. Uh, As it stands right now, I mean, in our fantasy football league, uh, the top four are pretty set. Myself and Manny are tied. Uh, Steve takes two points, so he's nine. And 11, two wins. Josh, that's a rough week for your situation. Vic is actually tied with you now. Some 13. Okay. So now, all right. It's interesting. Your record overall, your record overall in the fantasy league 
is actually five and five, but your record and dual record um, is tied with Vic, who started. I think, yeah, we have five, four so. poor points scored. Which is so the reality of the world is the dual record determines uh, any tiebreakers and all that. So right now, I kind of need some wins here. We got four weeks to go in the regular season. As it stands, I have a one-game lead on Steve in the duel. Um, and in regards to he's ahead of me a game. So I have a one game ahead of him in the duel, and he's a one game ahead of me in – or no, he's tied with me in overall in the – so right now you'd be the you'd be the one that gets screwed um, if things kind of hold up the way they are. Joe – would make it because you'd get bumped out by Manny because for as bad as Manny's team has ended up doing, he's eighth and you're fifth. So we'll see what happens. It could I, there's four weeks to go. So um, yeah. trade deadline, there's still two weeks to go in the trade deadline for us relative to other leagues. So maybe um, Luke, maybe some other teams are willing to make some moves. But you can follow us at GripsRapod on Twitter. You can follow me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Um, follow Josh J.P. Huffine and you Sailor 2 on his Twitch stream. Um, follow us on uh, any place you can find podcasts. And um, we'll be back next week for episode 145 of the Gripster Podcast to um, get into pre-Thanksgiving celebrations and what we're grateful for. We always do that here as the kettle's going off over there. Um, we'll go over what happened at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. We'll get into Formula 2. We'll also uh, discuss the other racing series that are going on. And um, we'll talk about Week 11 in the NFL talk about thanksgiving and we could probably do a segment uh after the formula one for what we were grateful for this year in motorsports since we're basically done <laughs> the motorsport season essentially um outside of a couple of big races uh is done after the start of december of the supercars so I don't know if Formula E starts their championship in December. I don't think they do. But uh, So we'll talk all about that here on the GSP. So for Josh, I'm Phil. Take care. God bless. Be nice to one another. Um, hopefully I'll have some positive announcements in regards to my bowling game. It hasn't been pretty so far this year. I'm trying to make some changes there, trying to make some changes in general. Um you know, Josh can win a race. Um, I can go and bowl a big one, and uh, we won't wreck any Hertz rental cars like Uncle Bobby um, did, which uh, Steve Shunk went and showed the letter that was sent to Uncle Bobby. So um, check out my Twitter feed if you want to get more interest in that. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting us. Uh, it's a passion project for us. It's something that uh, we do. Just talk about racing, and it's uh, nice and loose. I have fun. 
we have fun, we're friends, we're bros, and uh, we're going to continue doing this for a while. I don't care. We're going to keep on doing this. I don't, I'll, I'll be old and going to need somebody. I'm going to need a voice gimmick to do it. I'll keep on doing it because I love this shit. So um, for that, for Josh, I'm Phil. Take care. God bless. Goodbye.